Welcome back to Let's Try Roleplay. This is The Great Games Under the Covers. I did my intro voice for it. Did you like that? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think there. We hadn't have... Is the music going to come in there? Who knows? You may or may not have just heard the music. If not, you're going to hear it now. Do you not want to do another fancy jingle? <laughs> not really. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna have a we're you know we're on a bit of a break from actual roleplay episodes because COVID's a wanker. Yeah. So we decided that me and James are both in the same place at the same time and our lovely extended family. Um so we can see each other and we're gonna chat about Star Wars. The great yeah. games and yeah. Star Wars campaign in general. Yes, like the, over the so this is the second se- season of my three season arc uh, that we've been preparing. Um, this one was better than the first one, I think. Whoa, what a way to start it! The this first is, one was shit. The first no. one was shit. <laughs> it wasn't shit. No, the first one was like difficult because. I tried to do something different that we hadn't really done in the podcast before and also something very different for Star Wars. Mm. And I liked it, but it didn't feel very Star Wars for me. Okay. But that was because we trapped you in, like, one location. Yeah. And then, like, made it a zombie. It was a bottle episode. <laughs> we made it a zombie movie, which was, like, yeah. But it was just difficult to pull that off, and I think it was just... I think like I don't know how it was to play, but it was just frustrating to try and keep it together and like in my head try and be like, no, add more Star Wars stuff in, add more Star Wars stuff in, and that was just difficult. And so yeah, okay, I didn't end up enjoying it a huge amount. I but it set up this. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, no, it was good. I enjoyed playing it. It was just like when I was editing it and stuff, it would be like, yeah, mm, is this working? Is it working? I don't know if it's working. <laughs> I think the most uh, the less that. The most difficult thing for me was not that at all. I've actually found that that was relatively okay. Mm. The thing that I struggled with was that the characters for us were lived in, but for the listeners weren't. Which is a problem that we had when we started for Omsford as well. Yes, totally. And it's a thing that we... We've kind of got we've got that completely out of the way now. There's now nothing that we've got that's no. lived in already that you don't know. Because I felt like we kept constantly going back and being like, oh, and this happened. Oh, Barney. Who's Barney? Well, Barney was this person that we had all this hilarious yeah, exactly. stuff that you can't hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's Woody? Well. Well. <laughs> it's, I think it's the, the... Yeah, I think the problem that we had with that time of the podcast was we felt that we needed to practice game systems before we played it we forgot that it's actually really fucking funny when we don't know what we're doing and it's just re- completely ridiculous <laughs> um so we wanted to practice these things so for like D D, we we just started i mean that was just characters that we loved we, we brought over yeah but the problem we had with everything else with pokemon no 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 not, not pokemon. pokemon sorry no but it was with star wars and with um uh so you no know, there's been some other characters that we've tried to bring in not actually brought into campaigns yet that we've been wary about is that oh, we've right. practiced some stuff in the past and then being too in love with the characters we practice with to let them go. Yeah. And then we've wanted to just be like, well, we'll just bring those characters in. And then we'll, but we'll pretend we've never done anything with them before. But then obviously we, we, we relate to all the things that we've done with them before. Yeah. Um, 
So it's just, yeah, I mean, there's characters like a character called Bago Berry Spring that I've been wanting to bring into the into a campaign for ages, but we haven't yet because we haven't found the thing that we want to put him in yet. And it also, I mean, he's easier because his backstory doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and he was he was from a one-shot that we played with some friends, but I was like, we've been wary about bringing characters that we've done in one-shot with friends before because we're like, well... What if we what if we do what we did with Star Wars and for yeah, Olmsford yeah. where it's just like the prelude is required? Yeah, well, um, that's like especially that Olmsford was especially difficult because we actually had recorded preludes for that, which we then decided. God, and then we decided not to put out because we listened to them. And if you've listened to the the, the I believe the worst one by far is the Ibithane one. Yes, that we released is... them for our hundred episode or our birthday there are birthday episodes our birthday episodes yeah we did a we run of, of the preludes and the ibithane one sounds my audio is okay because i'm using the microphone that connor is currently using now true henry had a dragon headset which sits beside me as we speak because that thing it was this fucking it was thing that Henry always used to say that it was a gaming headset. It was not. We, we misremembered it for ages. I, it, it wasn't this exact one. This is my flatmate's one. Oh, right. Okay. This is, but it's I a dragon. It that. It's a dragon records dictation headphone set, which if you've ever seen that is probably one of the world's worst microphones. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just horseshit. This was before we kind of before i sort of took over the recording side of the podcast I think. yeah i mean this is this is basically one of the first things we ever recorded yeah we recorded a test thing yeah which was somehow better than the sound somehow better because we used different microphones but then you yeah. had the other microphone that cut henry was supposed to use and we we're like fuck oh well and i'm ashamed to say it was my idea oh. why, why don't you just use this headset that i have it can't be that bad <laughs> <laughs> and it was <laughs> go, go, back to, go back to the thing about like using character using characters we've already used we did we actually did the exact opposite thing recently in a campaign that i was that we did with robin dming where i used that character that i now can't remember the name of yes you did the opposite yeah the ca- I, I played a character from the long night our crossover campaign yes. who was the really scottish Gendry? Not Gendry. Gendry's in Game of Thrones. <laughs> so he is. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. He died in that thing. Yeah, we're, we're currently running a... Robin is kindly running a campaign for us on uh, as just a private thing um, in preparation for an upcoming project. In practice, effectively, of DMing for an upcoming project that she's creating for us, um, which we'll have spoken about a little bit last week. Um, but she's yeah, and I mean she she's been working on that, and it's been really fun playing. It's been weird playing D and D. Yeah. For fun, without yeah. <laughs> a recording setup, it's weird. We had music on. We had music on. We had snacks. We have snacks when we play. We usually do anyway. Yeah, we usually do anyway. Regular snack. Anyway, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars campaigns. Yeah, sorry, I cannot remember the name of that character. Don't know at all. No, it was the very Scottish one. Very Scottish person. Scottish? Well, we... Because well, we, we, we also use it as an opportunity. The, uh, two other people that were in it were Stitch and Holly, which is my girlfriend and, and Connor's little sister. And we, we've been, like... We thought, well, if we're going to practice Robin DMing, then we should practice these guys playing as well. So when they come into the podcast, that they've had a bit of preparation. And 
Connor and I arrogantly were just like, well, we'll design our characters. I'll be the healer. You be the tank. And then we can basically just save their ass whenever they fuck up. <laughs> oh, it would be great. What happened in the first fight? What was it? What was it? Was it I knocked unconscious and you were dead? You were killed, weren't you? I just completely ki- actually died. I failed all my saving throws. <laughs> Who was it won the fight? Oh, yeah, it was the two noobs. <laughs> Absolutely fucking kicked our ass. <laughs> I think I went down twice in that fight. I got, I, they got me back up. And then got me back up again, and then you were just killed outright. I'm so annoyed. I can't remember the name of this character. And then, and then, what was it? Yeah, they they saved my ass twice. Failed to your save your ass at all. And we were fighting a manticore. Weren't yeah, we, we were fighting something wrecked way ass. too high a level for what we were. And then... no, 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 James, it wasn't. No, it was. What we was spoke it? to Henry about it afterwards. Apparently, we're supposed to have done another bit of quest, I think, before that to have leveled us up a bit before oh, we fought it. Oh, because there's a whole lot of different <laughs> side bits you yeah, can go yeah. to. Right, we, Star Wars. We went to the wrong one. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> we're so shit at this. But anyway, Weapon 26. Nah, it was good. I enjoyed I liked it. Weapon 26. But... I liked I put a lot of Star Wars references in there after I wrote it. I and mean, it went yeah. back through and went, right, okay, what are the weapons going to be? And yes. some references to other things. So obviously, there was a reference to X-Men with the Wolverine blade. Yeah. Um, uh, there was also reference to um, like the 8080s and Vader's TIE fighter and all that sort of stuff being like advanced weapons at the time. And yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Um, I like that sort of stuff. And I kept saying... I think I kept saying shock trooper, but I meant shadow trooper about oh, the right. um, the uh, invisibility cloak yeah. that um, Luna now has. And that was, uh, I know it's a reference to lots of different things, but for me, it was a reference to Jedi Knight to Fallen Order, where you, there are those, Order. no, not Fallen Order. So Jedi 2, Jedi Outcast. Yes. Um, and... You play, you fight these invid- invisible troopers at points with that, and then sometimes I think there's even like reborn that are wearing the armor, and you have to fight them oh. with lights- lightsaber fights with an invisible enemy, which is like a pain in the dick. Hmm. Um, but they were really cool, and I wanted to put that invisibility cloak in. And obviously, they're they're around the time that that technology is really around the time of post six yeah. in that game. Um, oh, okay. But I thought it would be really cool to have like that in there, and I kept saying shock trooper, which I think I was getting confused with the sh- the black troopers in Battlefront Two, yes. the original Battlefront Two. Yeah. Um, but I thought that would be cool to have in there, and then cause I suppose we should talk more about the first stuff as well because we never did it under the covers for no, no. Uh, Weapon Twenty Six, but that was really fun. And then the 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 Z troopers uh were actually based off a book called Death Troopers. Yeah. Um which was a, a zombie um a horror zombie book set within the Star Wars universe where zombie stormtroopers yeah, yeah, yeah. have taken over a ship or something like that. I've never actually properly read it. I've read synopsises and stuff mm. um years ago, but I always thought that was really, really cool and I wanted to do something. We had a conversation with the guy at Comic Con about that actually. He was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I love Death Troopers. We were actually running a campaign based off it and he was like, That's so cool and I was like, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, who knows if you ever listened? Who knows? I hope you did. Um <laughs> if you're listening, you're 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 a stand up dude. <laughs> but um yeah we did we did a lot of I wanted to put that sort of stuff in there. And then I think one thing that I did more in this this one, in this mm. campaign we've just done, is ground it in the characters a little bit more. Yeah. With having characters relatable to Star Wars, like Hondo and stuff that ground it in the Star Wars universe. Like, yeah, yeah. I think there's like a thing about, oh, well, you're just using the characters. It's just like fan servicey bullshit which people say about movies and stuff I like being serviced service me yeah. um, 
but it's like I, I sort of tried to step away from that a little bit because I didn't want it to be too oh get it it's Star Wars because Boba Fett's here get it because it's Star Wars and <laughs> actually it ended up working yeah. really really well using one of my favourite Star Wars characters who's actually a little you know not one of the biggest ones Hondo no. I, I love Hondo so much and I liked using him because he's kind of like and, and Cad Bane because they're Clone Wars characters they're not like massive mainstream yeah. characters it's different being like oh, and then who's the final boss it's Vader and then exactly. when you beat him oh it's the Emperor and then you get shot at a bunch of times by the Death Star and the Death Star chases you through an asteroid field <laughs> exactly yeah. and then Yoda comes and, and Yoda he drifts a planet into the Death Star <laughs> with the Force <laughs> yeah. remember the Force because it's Star Wars <laughs> exactly one of the things that I really, really liked about <laughs> Weapon 26 actually was the way that we introduced character backstories through the fear visions. I thought yes. that was really cool. Yes. Well, because we, we, these are characters that we'd sort of played before and I thought, well, let's get a little bit of what we'd played before slash what we had talked about in the past, their backstories yeah. through and actually introduce it through some visions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And... um. I obviously I tried to link that to there's weird stuff going on in the force because they've been brought back by this virusy thing yeah. and that's what's causing the visions and the fear and all that sort of stuff so because I didn't want it to be something that I was pressured to feel like I had to repeat through future campaigns yeah, so like yeah, loads yeah. and like visions would happen it's the Star Wars universe visions happen and stuff but like I didn't want it to be like you guys are constantly going to have to have visions like every fucking episode or something yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the virus got out of the ship and came to Earth. Exactly. And then and now, Earth, turns out that exists in then, the Star Wars yeah, universe. And now that we didn't actually know that the virus was called COVID-19. Oh, but shit. It was. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain all the zombies outside. The zombies on Bournemouth Beach. <laughs> Why are they all wearing white armour? Cosplaying is gone mad. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't put yourself down about Weapon 26. I think it was more the... Sh- dress of it than the result of it okay. i think like i i think in the end it ended up being something good that i like but it was i think it's when you really love something like star wars and you're yeah. really worried about fucking it up like i've always said oh fuck it we'll just do our own like um canon continuity, if we yeah. fuck up the continuity we carry on but i'm actually like really protective of star wars continuity yeah <laughs> so we've I... we've we've had conversations about the fact that if, if characters like vader or stuff ever came in th- our characters would never be able to beat them so yeah. we couldn't just do and i think that's something they're always careful about in the tv shows and stuff is that when Vader makes an appearance, he can't be easily overpowered by someone because otherwise it undermines his character. Yeah. So we, we, I'm careful. There's certain lines that I wouldn't cross and certain things that I would be like, well, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Like Cad Bane, I don't give a shit if he has a canonical death. Yeah. Like, like who cares? So long as you... I, I made something here that was like fun to listen to enough and we enjoyed playing and that's that's yeah. grand like but there's certain lines that I wouldn't sort of fuck with yeah, like yeah. let's go to Tatooine and murder that blonde twat like <laughs> oh, can, can we not because yeah. then I have to rewrite everything yeah. well I think it was the same for me with the Pokemon campaign at first like I was super 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 critical about the way that um the Pokemon campaign was going to the point that when I, I was on holiday once, 
and I got super stressed about it and I messaged you guys being like, I want to start the Pokemon campaign again. We'd recorded like 30 episodes of this by oh, this yeah, point. Yeah. And I was like, no, we need. I, I really don't like it. That There's going to be too long. No one's going to mm. listen to it. I want to do it all again. And then yeah. you guys just slowly were like, no, fuck off, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we kept going with again. it. Like you, you are with your first, especially the first thing you ever yeah. run. You're so overly critical of it. I think the more you play of it as well, the more it becomes yours. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's. Um, I think I've got to the point now where in playing with Star Wars, I can imagine that these characters are out there in the yeah, yeah, in the Star yeah. Wars universe, and it's like it works for me. I, like for me, I was watching rewatching Clone Wars recently, and I genuinely thought when when it was coming <laughs> into the the bit with the um, the chips in the clones' brains, I genuinely thought. Oh, right, okay, yeah, of course, because Tokken created them, and then... And I went, no, we didn't! That's not canon! Like, <laughs> but in my head, it's totally there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's not many... I, we're careful about trying to not make huge plot holes. Obviously, it doesn't matter a huge amount. If we have big plot holes, then please, yeah. just try and ignore them, because mostly it's because we come back a year later to making a thing without having listened to the previous thing, which was supposed to. Yeah. Um, but... Um, like we're trying to, we, we do try and be a bit careful about it, and so I, but actually that we just, you and I knew enough about Clone Wars at the time of creating Tokrin's character that we were pretty careful that that yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't there wasn't much that conflicts with it. No, no, exactly, and I think the uh, for for me because the the backstory that I wrote for Tokrin was almost not almost totally too much. I I knew too much about my own character that nobody else knew <laughs> and then going into it i was like it was too fleshed out in my brain to really become live you know to actually uh, it. P- play it in the in the actual thing to, to a point where this didn't feel weird for the listeners i think at first for yeah. for, for Tokrin anyway but actually over time i've forgotten lots of his backstory Yes, yeah. So actually, the key points stick in my brain more and it's easier to play the character because yes. it's more about the present. Because at the first I was like, oh, I know all about his backstory. And I was sort of thinking more about that when I was playing the character rather than being like, this is actually happening here and now. This is what he's Exactly, doing exactly. So... No, I think I think that's it. It's just... I mean, I one of the things I like about DMing is that I like playing funky, weird characters and all of my NPCs tend to be funky, weird characters unless they're like... They've got to be a bit more of a presence. I didn't really play Cad Bane a huge amount in this campaign, um, mostly because I didn't want, want to you... do his voice. Well, I didn't want to do his voice. Obviously, <laughs> that was the main reason. The second reason was just because I didn't want you guys to have like much of a chance to have a massive conflict with him before the near the, the end. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you still came across as a dick, which is just what I wanted him to. Um, Hondo, I loved playing. I yeah. thought that was great because Hondo is actually thinking about it so fucking close to what Ibithane might become. Like he, he's a far more. <laughs> that way. He's he's a far more like accomplished Ibithane. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> competent. Yeah, um, and then it's like and then but all my other characters like some characters like i try and do like fun but i like i like it being funny i like it having having fun with yeah. it it's it's actually come dangerously close to creating jar jar sometimes <laughs> definitely like with with this campaign we definitely focus a lot more on the humor side of it yes and that was a huge bonus difference for me and i i i felt much more comfortable doing that because star wars is a serious thing in my brain yeah there's humor in star wars absolutely mm. but it's not like 
as fucking around as our usual games are and i felt like i was trying to be too serious yes in weapon 26 you were dming so you, we didn't have because you're usually the most i was like, trying i was trying to be player. quite serious during, and i'm normally the person to try and bring the level down a little bit <laughs> um but then in this campaign with like the toaster and the fridge and oh that, yeah it was like, just that great was, i really enjoyed that side of it and bringing that into star wars star wars world was really fun for me yeah i, I think what we've what we've done well in the past with stuff the thing well it's all subjective whether anyone listening to this thinks we've done well with stuff in the past but what we've enjoyed in the past and what makes it fun for us to do is that we we take stuff that we like like D and pokemon and we make it the let's try role play version yeah we do the ltrp version where it's just hilarious and humorous and it's just a bit crazy and it's not exactly like it is in whatever it's supposed to be but i think in the first season of star wars I tried to make Let's Try Roleplay Star Wars. Yeah. And then this time we made Star Wars Let's Try Roleplay. It like it worked better for us because we just went, what if it's completely fucking insane? Yeah. Like, you have droids. I mean, if it fits within the universe that you have thing robots that talk, why can't he make everything a robot yeah. <laughs> that talks? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but I th- I, one of the things I really liked about uh, the great games as well is that it was a sort of mishmash up of a whole load of different things because we only did one thing really yes, in Weapon yeah. Twenty Six, but this was like and there's a pod race and now there's a uh, an arena battle and yeah. now there's like actual... this weird hunting thing yeah. Do. yeah so it was like the arena battle from the episode two and then the pod race and then like some Hunger Games bullshit yeah I mean <laughs> so the, the, the final hunt is actually based ja- off the Hunger Games because James loves it I love the Hunger Games Actually, I have nothing against the Hunger Games. I don't mind the first one. <laughs> I've only seen the first one. The second one's worse, but okay. And the third one, I barely remember. Um, but it, it, the, 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 I actually base that off um, the Old Republic online game. Um, when you play the Bounty Hunter storyline through in that game, it starts off by you joining this competition. You actually play through it in the game oh, where right. you, you get sent somebody, you have to go hunt and somebody's hunting you and you play through the missions and stuff. Um, and actually that was that I found that really really fun when I played it through and went I really want this to be part of the yeah the ca- okay. and so I I, didn't know that. I thought of it as um, when I started this campaign that's what I had I wanted to do that yeah. and then I thought well I don't want it to just be that because then it'll go on for a bit and I didn't want it to be um, I, I wanted to do more than just that and I thought yeah. well this is my I want to do a pod race at some point in the Star Wars stuff I want to do um um, like arena battles and all this sort of stuff, and have a big like games sort of like this yeah, massive yeah. weird gaming con- like this a uh, a uh, battle convention sort of thing that's going on, which is what yeah, Hondo's like game like, exactly. Yeah. I want to do something weird like that, and then I thought, well, the next campaign is going to be sort of the the finale of the trilogy of this these Star Wars series, which is going to be very much more story driven, more story driven, and more like um it will still be humorous and we'll still like bring it down to our level and stuff but it's gonna be a bit more like i wanted it to be a bit more epic yeah so i thought well why don't i do the you know you can't fit a pod race into that like it's not gonna work for the story (laughs) it's like hey we gotta do this thing we gotta go you know fight thanos but first should we have a drag race (laughs) um no (laughs) so i thought i thought right okay let's 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 put that aside now that will be the third season will be that and then we'll just this is my chance to do a bunch of fucking weird stuff yeah and then like um 
seed the third story in into it um and i thought that was a bit more a bit more fun yeah and i remember when you sort of started to explain to us what this campaign was going to be about and then you said that you had this idea about making many many characters because yes. they were all going to be part of this <laughs> this great book. games and then james spent a long time making making just random characters that we would randomly encounter so i was in australia at the time when i was uh creating this campaign or no no um when i was actually creating the characters for it i had a lot of the stuff written um but at creating the characters i was in and and sort of finalizing off beats of the details of the of the the um the story i was in australia and i was uh working out there in a doing a job out there for a month because i wanted to travel for a bit so i did yeah. a, I, I, did, I spent a, a month working in australia and then a week afterwards went to sydney and traveled around and did some stuff um and then whilst i was there um when i wasn't traveling and going to see amazing stuff in the evenings and things i would like if i wasn't spending time with some of the friends i made out there i would like write uh, mm. bits of the campaign and write up characters and some of the characters were based off stuff that i saw out there and some stuff some was just like the crazy shit that comes to my mind <laughs> Geralt mcnugs obviously was based off a conversation i had with my girlfriend where i was like make a character for me and this is basically the first character she ever made it was like he's the best at everything and i was like i love this <laughs> yes and then i hijacked him and just a little bit and turned him into sean connery <laughs> um but we've got like so we got the list i made it up to i wanted to do 50 I think in the end I made it up to I made it up to 33 and then suddenly I said 43 and went fuck it 43 okay, don't know what happened there um, we've got so I, I, what I did was is that I'm going to write a name and then I'm going to write like a f- three or four bullet points or something just to yeah, give you yeah, an yeah. idea of what that character would be like so I could like just wing it role play them but I had something to base it off um, so I had like obviously the first character I wrote was Maximus which was the uh, yeah, father yeah. to a mar- murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, another competitor is responsible, and he is here for revenge, is what yeah. I wrote. I then left it with the thought, fuck it, I won't put Minimus next to him, because <laughs> then they'll roll numbers next to each other, and they weren't expecting it. So then, then we had Isothane, Tholma, and Noon. That was the second guys. I mean, yeah. they were actually the first ones I created. Just I wrote them down later uh, after Maximus, because I remembered shit, I need to put them in. Yeah. Um, and these were the the previous contestants for the champions of the last year. Which was that was so much fun. Um, bonkers. I wrote that before Weapon Twenty Six. Oh really? Uh, that they were going to be in it, but I didn't think it would fit into Weapon Twenty Six very well. So I was like, no, I'll I'll put them in yeah. the arena campaign thing. Yeah. Um, because I actually have been talking about these sort of arena battle podcast pod racy sort of thing before we even recorded Weapon 26. I yeah, think you and I yeah. discussed it before that and we're like, this would be cool for a second season of it. Yeah. And I went, right, that'll go in the box, put that aside. But I kept thinking about it uh, whilst we were doing that. Um, I think it was partly one of the things that maybe made me more stressed about the first season was that I kept thinking about the second season, how much I was thinking, oh, this is going to be so good when we do a pod race and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, I just want to get this one out of the way yeah, 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 so yeah, I totally. can make the second one. Um, but Isothane, I wrote, fire-loving lunatic, rarely seen without his signature weapon, a flamethrower called Firebolt. Fair enough. Tholma, a sneaky assassin who uses advanced stealth tech to sneak up on his targets. They never see him coming. Good. Noon, which makes it sound like he's masturbating in the corner. <laughs> whilst... Invisible. <laughs> Noon, 
Uh, a strong combatant, Noon is known for her excellent sword skills and use of her signature shield bash technique, which she didn't use. Yeah, she didn't use, yeah. Because I didn't read that when I brought her in. Good. <laughs> then we had uh, Krogor the Bloodthirsty. All right. So... Seems like a lovely chap. Not sure why he's here. That's what I wrote for that. <laughs> wow. I wanted to have Krogor the Bloodthirsty, and you guys would go up and talk to him and be like, very lovely to meet you. <laughs> Can I help you in any way? Almost a little bit like... Um, Would you like to team up? <laughs> what's that character in uh, The Adventure Zone? Oh, Jess the Beheader. Mm. Who's actually just a decent lass. And she's just a wrestling name. Exactly. <laughs> so I like the idea that he's got this reputation, but he doesn't live up to it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, he would, would have been massive. Then we had um, Malbar Death Eater. Um, all right. She was known for eating her victims... Ironically, um, she was the majority shareholder in a vegan food chain in the mid-rim. <laughs> uh, can see where, what state... I was drunk when I wrote a lot of these. Minimus, <laughs> um, min- <laughs> obviously, yeah. killed Maximus's family. He's a hired killer. We never really went into that. They're right. dead. Then we had uh, Wendell and Axel. Uh, these these guys yes. were a team. Uh, giant. So Wendell was a giant man who likes killing his victims with his bare hands. His twin Axel is just as nuts. Uh, Axel's Wendell's twin, completely identical. Not even sure uh, they know each other apart. Oh, okay. So they get. But confused. they were in. I think we mentioned them. Yeah. But you guys never came up against them. Oh, okay. Um, Wendell and Axel. Uh, so when I was in Australia, I think I put pictures of it up on our Instagram. I swam with a massive. It was like a 5.5 meter, 800 kilogram crocodile, Good. which was insanely fun. Um, and that was Wendell. And the crocodile in his in the um, area next to him was Axel. Mm. Um, and they both lived in a crocodile sanctuary. And this is how nuts I am. They lived in a crocodile sanctuary because sanctuary, they're saltwater crocs, which are the most lethal crocodiles in the world. Yeah, They're also the biggest and most aggressive. And they live in this crocodile sanctuary for crocodiles who have become so such a problem in the wild that they get taken to crocodile farms. And they then become such a problem at the crocodile farm that the only option is to put them in this crocodile sanctuary where they will be separated from each other or killed. Yeah. And Australia apparently used to, like, they culled the saltwater crocs to the point where they were almost extinct. And then they had these crocodile farms to bring them yeah. back up so that their populations didn't die out because they realised it was wrong. And instead of being like, let's go swim in the sea and kill all the crocodiles, they decided let's just not swim in the sea. Yeah. Because um, there's jellyfish in there and they'll fucking kill you. <laughs> um, so why go in there? But um, yeah, so I went swimming with a crocodile that was deemed too unsafe for other crocodiles. <laughs> and then they... <laughs> um, Axel apparently got his name because he used to rip axles off the back of trucks that were backing into water to like right. um, put boats and stuff into water. He would like rip the axles off them. Um, he was... Yeah, he was smaller but heavier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he weighed a ton. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And then they were both like nearly 100 years old or something. Yeah. Insane, insanely gorgeous creatures. They're brilliant. Uh, so they, they were named after them. Oh, wow. Then we had um, Spine Twister. Says, uh, does what it says on the tin. She's scary. Okay. I wrote that down. Good, good. Then we had IG44. Oh. Um, which was, he, he's uh, an assassin droid. Um, he had primary function A to nurse kill. droid. Nurse droid. Primary function was to kill. Secondary function, earn money for it. Oh, good. Reason, to buy better guns, to kill better. 
<laughs> Programming. Twelve. Question mark. Uh, a masked and fully armored humanoid, species unknown, gender unknown, doesn't speak when spoken to. Oh, so wow. I had this idea of like kind of like Snake Eyes from the GI Joe stuff. Oh, right. Just this person, um, just like clad in like black armor. Yeah. That covered their entire like every surface of their skin, and so you couldn't see what or who they were, and it would just be like this mysterious figure. Mm. That I like the idea that they didn't have any species or gender, and like no one knew anything about them, and that they were just they're dead now. Yeah, probably. Um, although I think probably a few of these competitors probably survived to escape into the galaxy again after it all went to shit at the end. Yeah, um, I'm talking with my hands a lot. Don't yeah, know why. Um, then we had Deck, who we came across the yeah. the clone from the wars. Um, uh, funny, he doesn't look like a clone. I wrote. Um, right. He's laying it on pretty thick. I forgot about this part of his story, actually. So we just put him in as a clone, but he was going to be a guy who was like, I'm a clone from the Clone Wars. Weirdly, you're Mexican. <laughs> really? <laughs> or just, no, not me. But just like, I, I thought like this idea that he doesn't look anything like the clones do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay, some, maybe enough. some pasty white dude with a ginger mustache. He's just like, <laughs> are you sure you're a clone? <laughs> yes, fought in the Clone Wars, I did. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, but any... My friend, Captain Rex. <laughs> what? Is... Do you still have your clone armor? No, sold it. Really? <laughs> I don't remember Was the clones. Wearing clone like... armor? No. 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 I think. I think. In the canon of our story now, he would have been wearing bits of old clone armor and yeah, stuff, and yeah, he yeah. was a clone, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he survived the Clone Wars and rejected by the Empire, whatever, and ended up as a mercenary. But, like, when I originally wrote him, he was just going to be this weird dude who kept declaring he was a clone, but was not. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> then we had uh, Klep Samadar. Yep. That was the Jawa. Yep. Amazing ability to turn junk into weapons. Unfortunately, these weapons are usually too big for him. So I always loved this idea of him having, like, a just a giant rocket launcher that was, like, three times bigger than he was. Mm, very good. Uh, then we had Mwerlu. Yeah, came across um, them. Yeah, who was a uh, unlucky member of Hondo's crew forced into it. He blew up at the beginning yeah. of the... He stole the sandwich. He stole the sandwich. And he was in the beginning of the pod race, blew up. Oh, wow. Uh, then we had um, Zuzigi Ogred, Talna Ogred, and Nalesh Ogred. These were the last three sisters of Dathomir. On our extinction mission. And you guys extinctified them, as I keep saying. Yep. <laughs> extinctified. Um, Very good. The third one being the most powerful and, and such, and... Yeah, I think it would have been... In- I mean, we just rolled randomly to see who you blew up and it just happened to be them. Yeah. Would have been interesting to see you guys fight them on like in the arena or something like that. Yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously, I think within our canon, most likely is that they believe themselves. Obviously, from Jedi Fallen Order, we see that actually a lot of, some, of the, some of them have... Well, she, one, one of the, at least one other Night Sister has survived. So they probably believe themselves to be the last may not have been if I want to introduce I like the Night Sisters a lot mm. so if I ever want to bring them back into it a little bit more um, then we might modify that but yeah I, I like that then we had um, Kip and Banner which we should talk about a little bit <clears throat> Kip, Kip and Banner we should talk a bit about um, when we did the first ever play of Tokrin and Luna the first the, they, they played through a very short campaign the start of Star Wars campaign you get with the pack um, and it was just the three of us. I DM'd it, and and, and uh, Robin and and Connor played Luna and and Tokrim. and then uh, this was over a summer holiday when uh, Henry was away and wasn't able to join us. Um, and then um, 
over the summer holiday we played online a little bit as well for was fun. it America wasn't he he was over in America yeah, at the time right. yeah so he yeah. couldn't he couldn't join us so the time zones that were and then he, exactly and then he de- and then um, oh, and then we decided uh, that we would play a little bit more online so I could learn the the system a bit more because it's very different because it's not numerical dice or anything like that mm. it's very weird so but then I was chatting to my brother my little brother about it and he was just like oh yeah I'd, I'd be interested in playing a bit so he played a character called Kip that cr- literally crash landed into the story <laughs> yeah um, and he played this Aqualesh um, Aqualish who um, played with the guys for a while and then um, yeah my brother didn't have like the best of idea of what he was supposed to do in D&D so he just kept cutting people's heads off and said I'm just gonna keep this head oh god and put yeah. it on my belt and I was like I forgot about that okay <laughs> um, yeah. so I'm worried about my brother um, <laughs> but yeah he did a lot of that sort of um, played play with you guys a lot and then when we came back um, was did he have a Jamaican accent? No. <laughs> so that, that was no. your touch. I added that because... Um, oh, Kit Fistu. Kit Fistu has a, a, a Jamaican accent. Yeah. And I really like Kit Fistu in the Clone Wars. So I was like, I'll do my horrific impression his of that. His was subtle though. Yours was not. No, his, his was real. It was, <laughs> was a person with a Jamaican accent. Mine is a idiot. <laughs> trying to replicate one <laughs> except you, it's an accent that you can only do if you speak really loudly and brashly really fucking loudly so he just became that character he just became this <laughs> so and obviously we'd, we'd done it in the um, in uh, Ocean, Madness. Ocean Madness and it was really we really enjoyed it thought it was a lot of fun um, we like accents and we're sorry if you have this accent in real life and you're from that country or stuff Which we're not you don't, we're not taking the piss out <laughs> yeah. Jamaican <laughs> we're not taking the piss out of you we're taking the piss out of James trying to do an accent that's what's funny to us is yeah. is watching somebody that we know the voice of very very fucking well yeah just completely morph that voice into something yeah, yeah. that is not an accent that anyone <laughs> has um so we yeah so kip kip came about that and then in the campaign after um that we introduced kip uh, uh my brother left and decided um he 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 went back to i think he went back to school at the time and huh. we we came back to uni and we we decided obviously we knew that he wasn't going to be it was just a bit of fun at the time and he wasn't going to be involved in it any further so we we sent kip off on his own little adventure and then Uma came in with Henry and when we started doing and we did another campaign before we played uh, the uh, Weapon 26 26 as practice for Henry to get used to the campaign and it was yeah during that campaign I threw in the character of Banner and Kip um, was with this character Banner I can't remember if Banner was introduced earlier on when Cam Cam was playing Kip um but he played um but 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 when we we, we came across kip and banner again because we thought the, the character was kind of fun and it was nice to have like a reference to them and stuff and so we had that character come come back with banner and the two of them were sort of this sort of twosome uh buddy cop yeah style um fun and then i thought oh, i really want to have them in this campaign um because i want to introduce them to the players and i want to have them in the future stuff and yeah like maybe they'll be back again or something in some form in the third season or something and I, I or if we ever do something else i'd like to have them available to be in it so i wanted to introduce them 
And um, so we had Kip come in, and Banner is this big Wookiee with a scar across his right eye um, that goes down his face. He has a sachet with what appears to be an infinite number of um, hip flasks in it. He's a complete alcoholic. Um, And I wrote, anyone else uh, who drinks them suffers a random effect from the table of Wookiee Wasted. Oh, anyone else? Ah, so you don't he wasn't supposed to be rolling. <laughs> That's alright though. Anyway, I like that mechanic more that he would roll. Yeah. So, so I've got this. Ta- I created a table of Wookie wasted. Please feel free to use it for yourself. Uh, number one goes blind for ten minutes. <laughs> number two cannot lie for one hour. Oh wow! I love that mechanic in any game. Yeah. <laughs> number three loses the use of their legs for fifteen minutes, as we saw. It. Yeah. Four half damage for twenty minutes. Oh wow! Yeah, he receives or he deals. No, 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 no. You receive less damage. Oh, pretty good. Inst- uh, number five instantly pass all presence checks. Oh wow! It's, it, six instantly fail all presence checks. <laughs> Seven was any disease is instantly cured, no matter what the disease. Right, that's how medicine works. Even I if think. it's cancer, <laughs> I guess. Eight cannot stop vomiting for ten minutes straight. Good. Yep. Nine. Fall unconscious. Although, wait, if you get eight and you can't stop vomiting for ten minutes and then you get seven and cure any disease, does that count? Yeah. Vomiting a disease? I don't think so. <laughs> Can you continue? If you vomit on someone, do they... If you vomit near someone, though, a lot of them will start vomiting. Contagious. Yes. Nine. Uh, fall unconscious. Wake up in 30 minutes. Ten. Has a great time. Next day, they have the galaxy's worst hangover. All stats are halved and rounded down. <laughs> For that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, no matter which number is rolled, the person has slurred speech, disadvantage die for all ability checks, ag- agility checks, and after the effects wear off, their memory is patchy. Okay. So, That's very good. I really like that mechanic. So I wrote that in. This is like whatever Wookiee whiskey he has in there and stuff. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that idea. Oh. Um, Enjoy your beer. Just gonna drink a bit of my beer and I'm <laughs> thirsty. Then I had um, Geralt McNuggs. Which I think we actually read that out during the thing. Read it out. Thing. Cool guy. An extremely skilled and stealthy spy. <laughs> in his off time, he works in a fast food chain for the staff discount. Uh, fired last week for eating 1,483 nuggets. They were Bantha nuggets. Yep. Which actually is more... about that. Yeah, we talked about that during the thing. That's more canonical than we thought it was. If you count the holiday special as canon. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, no, I don't think we do, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he has an Irish accent, and he's bad at names. He's an Irish accent? No, he does not. He has a Sean Connery accent. Yeah. He's bad because with names. Way better. Bad with names was just sort of a way of me being int- able to introduce a character who didn't remember anyone's name because I don't remember anyone's <laughs> name. <laughs> Gil McNuggs is one of my favourite parts of the, this campaign though. The way that he started off with just this dumb character and then we just grew to really like him and we really wanted him to win the pod race and then he came second and it was great. Did he come second? I thought you came second. No, we came first. Oh, you first. came first. Oh, and he, he came, came second. second. Nice. And then... Uh, we got given him as our first kill. Yeah. And then he's still out there because we he's managed to get there. him to escape. Somehow. <laughs> he's going to be the big bad, isn't he? Nah. <laughs> nah. Stitch would never forgive me. Um, the Then I had the Game Master, 22. So this was Sergeant Creel, also known as Agent 5241, the Stormtrooper, 
So he was the game master of the Huts Arena on Nashdar. Yeah. Uh, actually, under the, an undercover stormtrooper from the 501st, trained to use a lightsaber by Vader. Uh, works for Gracchus the Hut. Uh, wields a green lightsaber. We came across this guy, did we? You fought him in the yeah. arena. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah. So he was interesting. He was a guy that I watched um, a sort of synopsis about in a YouTube video that he was um, this stormtrooper that had been trained by Vader, and I thought that was really cool. I love this idea of that originally I think the idea was that Vader trained this particularly skilled trooper in lightsaber combat so that he would have someone to train against yeah oh, um, okay. rather than just droids or the Inquisitors and stuff um, who were out doing a lot of stuff and then eventually he trained him to be so good that he sent him out on missions with the lightsaber and stuff that's awesome then we had um, Coyote uh, yeah, which was the leader across. of the T-Birds I'm surprised again about how many we actually did come across. Yeah, you came across because the the cocktail parties were my chance to try and show yeah, these yeah, characters yeah, off. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is I wanted to. It was better for you to come across a lot of characters later on in the games that we'd introduced earlier on. Yeah. So there was a bit more of like, oh, I remember that guy, rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. just lots of new people all the time that you never got any connections to. Absolutely. Uh, but then obviously, yeah. So there was the the group group of uh, cool Greece Wookies. Yeah. Then there were these characters that you never came across. I was really upset you never came across. We had H3A7. Um, oh, HRM1, HRM2, L3G1, and L3G2. And this was... Um, um, <laughs> this was uh, Head, Arm1, Arm2, Leg1, Leg2. And these were like little astromechs that could transform and form like a Voltron style um transformer, transformer robot <laughs> like from power rangers and stuff where yeah, they all like yeah. join together and like one form the arm of the robot and the head and the they would have been really cool to fight in the it would be really annoying if we like fought them in a um space battle yes exactly <laughs> so I, w- I wanted you guys to come across them at some point but we didn't and they might be something that i save for a future date yeah um but yeah so you would have like the the he- head H3A7 would be like the body with the head on top and his mm. head would like stick up a bit and then you'd have like ARM1 and the, mm. the, the arms and the legs and then they would be like it, yeah I just would thought Would you it, have killed them individually or would they have collected health? I think it would have been a, a case of using the minion system Oh yeah of course uh, for, from Star Wars and they would have a collective health bar mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> by being in the group um mm. So I loved, I liked that idea of them. I thought they were really, really funny, but we never came across them. Then we had um, Peter, perfectly normal dude, magnificent mustache. Just saw the ad and thought it looked fun, which is the same as Peter from Deadpool 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, in oh, fact, cool. it was Peter from Deadpool 2. Just, just, <laughs> just wandered in. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> then we had Nothab the Boffin, who I think we oh my referenced God. briefly. Fuck, I didn't know Nothab the Boffin was from... From the crossover campaign. Oh, he had a story. He had a story. He he was, uh, after being ripped off by a strange group, he lost all his weapons and shop stock. Uh, his wife has left him with their kids in debt um, bad. He's desperate enough to join the game, so Hondo, Hondo will pay off his debts. Fuck, I wish we'd come across that. I think you see, like, at one point, I think we mentioned a really upset-looking boffin running around. I don't think we did. Um, but he, yeah, he was there. Aww. He died. That would have been so weird. Oh, <laughs> fuck. 
Maybe he was one of the last ones. Maybe he was one of the last ones. Who knows? Nothing. We then had um, the thing is that was the that episode there was, the Great Both and Swindle. There's like it? well over there's around twenty characters that never ca- we never created. Yeah, that could have been the ones that were killed, and yeah. a lot of these guys escaped near the Absolutely. end. So Absolutely. So who knows? We then got Rue Cookmore. Uh, right. A Tuscan raider who has denounced his culture. He and his best friend Danvu have sent, set out to spread the word and peace and, and pacificity across the galaxy, even if it's in the worst of places. And Davu uh, crocked, who was secretly in love with Rue, he is pretending to go along with his whole peace thing. Rue has <laughs> gone too far this time. <laughs> <Love that. laughs> um, then we had. Um, Nana Jenks. Yes. Nana Jenks was the in a team with and the lawyer of Pogo the Jumper. Oh, Nana Jenks was actually in there as well. He was in there too. Oh. I think Pogo the Jumper is going to go in without you know representation. Yeah, this was the character we made in a middle bit. Yeah. We decided we're just going to make a character during a middle bit, and we so did, and it was impromptu. And Pogo it was the Jumper, legs flattened in a factory accident, legs still attached. He's like Tigger. Legs hold... He's used his legs to tie a pogo stick to himself. Uh, Nana Jenks was an incredibly competent Gungan. Like, seriously, he actually knows what he's doing. Um, (laughs) Framed for several accidents he wasn't responsible for and was banished. He was framed by Jar Jar. Oh. That's right. There you go. And now he's... When Jar Jar became a competent person, became the senator from Naboo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow, Okay. Or maybe they were like, oh, Jar Jar had all these accidents in the past. We've got to brush him under the rug and like, get a scapegoat. Yeah, so the higher-ups, yeah. the boss nasses of the world went, ooh, stick it on Nana. Why would they do that? The only competent person in their fucking tribe. And they're like, well, let's get rid of him. Exactly. I mean, maybe he was He's making competent. us look bad. Exactly, yeah. Connor. Exactly. So then he became a lawyer. <laughs> Did he try and take down the, uh, the Gungan Underwater World? That's where he was working his way up towards. He needed to get rep first. All oh, right, okay. So become a good lawyer. Then he was going to file a civil suit. So he took he took the case of Pogo the Jumper because they was he was trying to a Genosian that was trying to take on his own droid factory. Exactly. So he thought it's a similar idea if I can win this. A person taking on their own people. I need right, to be involved like, in this. I need to get the, I need to get the experience so I can level up my lawyer stat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his ranks in lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 43 we had Gemma Requay who was a character that we created yeah, yeah. in the middle of the campaign we don't remember anything about oh, I remember we called yeah it was something about Gemma Requay we had the band that would make jo- sense there was a joker in that that would make sense <laughs> they were 43 oh good that was it that was it they, these were the characters that I created so pretty good well that's that 34 really 30, 34. 34 <laughs> characters of the 50 I got up to. Okay, that was and pretty good. Yeah, we had like lots of like explanations and stuff of how we were going to like... I had like... I, I sort of wrote it in chapters and then um, I find it difficult to know how to write a campaign. Uh, especially when I had one that was... This one was like split into specific acts yeah 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 uh, so I sort of wrote them in different chapters and like wrote this is the first one this is the sort of stuff that's going to happen yeah. also, but I also try not to like write myself a script because um, I don't want to get like I being dyslexic read quite stiltedly yeah um, whereas I'm better at just sort of having a skeleton and then winging it and yeah. fleshing it out on the day um, 
so but this one had to be prepared a little bit more than just that and that ended up being difficult to yeah, do yeah, yeah. but it ended up being all right and it ended up i think the fun thing about it is that we managed to like flesh it out with like loads of weird fun stuff on the day yeah, that worked yeah, yeah, brilliantly yeah. um and I'm like, I'm not afraid to like, when we do something really fun that kind of changes what I wanted to do next, I'd be like, right, okay, cool. I'm going to go away from this session and like try yeah, and edit yeah. next time stuff because that worked really, really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think one of my, my favorite, one of my favorite characters was Nurgle. Mm. Nurgle was, and how we had a fucking character arc with Nurgle was, was fantastic. Great. What's going on with his wife? Yeah, exactly. She's his kids. She's probably in the right. <laughs> but the, the thing is, because I edited this episode yesterday, the finale. Is Nurgle part of the team now? Because no, we Nurgle. didn't say that he left by himself. Kip and Banner went off in the same ship as the Eclipse. Maybe not, not the Eclipse, the Twilight. The Twilight. So oh, maybe, yes. Maybe, maybe Nurgle's maybe, with us? Maybe I'll put Nurgle with them and they'll just be this weird crew. All the NPCs you guys love, I'll just dump into the Kip and Banner crew. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. like, and then we would get into real shit. And I was like, who are we going to call? <laughs> These Ghostbuster. <boys." laughs> I think you guys will have Nurgle with you. Yeah. At this point, um, and we'll find a use for him. The good thing is that we've we accidentally left Woody on the ship for the entirety of Weapon Twenty Six. Yeah. Before we were like, we forgot about Woody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, we'll we'll. I think I I want to keep him around, and I think it'd be fun for you guys to sort of have him with you. Um, and I just want to see him interact with all of the. Uh, <laughs> the, the high up imperials no fuck that the sentient dishwashers <laughs> oh I thought you I see. <laughs> yeah um, so the main point of this campaign was that we got we got the message that um, Wayne who was Luna's um, <clears throat> sort of inherited dad daddy um, daddy not dad daddy daddy and with uh, a big D <laughs> Pretty good. Um, <laughs> and that we needed to get him out of the of Hondo's prison because Hondo was going to sell him onto the Empire and he knew yes. something. Yes, I can't remember something. how we found out that he knew something. Um, He managed to sneak... Uh, I can't remember exactly how we ended up saying it, but the, uh, the paraphrase in it was along the lines of that he managed to sneak a message out to the Rebellion. Yeah. Who, to say that he basically needed help and he was... I think he was like looking he'd been looking for luna for a while found this information around the time or so that he found out that luna was working with the rebellion or stuff for yeah. his contacts um and then he was captured and thought i need to get a message to luna so he got it to luna through the rebellion uh so at the end of the weapon 26 you received that message from um admiral um admiral cesarean <laughs> admiral Sakarian? Sakarian? I think I have a name. Vegetarian? Admiral Vitarian Vitarian. Uh, Admiral Sakarius? Admiral Cicada? Sakarian. It... I don't remember his book. <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't write it down here because I wrote it in my previous book. My other book for the other yeah. campaign. Um, so, one of the rebellion leaders anyway yes she, she, so she gave you guys the message at the end of weapon 26 yeah. and then you guys learnt that so that yeah like you say the, the whole point of this was basically it's all just an excuse for James to have some fun whilst you earn the right to get Wayne back yes um, 
and then I wanted to give you guys like Hondo's crew. I thought, well, that's going to be such a, for- a formidable force that you guys couldn't just overcome. And you don't have the backing of the rebellion on this. Yeah. Because they're busy with other stuff. Um, and this is a very personal thing anyway. It's a personal thing for Luna. But exactly. I mean, they didn't know how important this information I think about they that said, he had was. Yeah, I think she said something along the lines of like, we want to, we, we're totally going to let you, you know, we're not going to stop you from going. We want you to go. We can't, unfortunately, we can't back you up because of resources. But like, I mean, at this point, you're not the Alliance. You're, yeah. you're rebel cells. And um, the alliance is starting to form, and that's you know you're getting ranks within the cells yeah. and stuff, and then the, but like the admirals and the tight high ups within it are the only people that are really sort of contacting with other cells. But there's no proper table that people sit around, and Mon Mothma hasn't formed this yeah, yeah, yeah. a proper alliance yet. It's not 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 totally solidified. So like you, they're really like they would find it difficult to come and support you in this. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, you know, it sounds like he has, I think he gets the message across or something. He's being chased by the emperor for some reason that he knows something. And they're like, well, if he knows something that can help us, please bring it back to us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that would be really helpful. But like, we're not going to be like the evil people that go like, bring it back to us or we'll kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're like, just like, go get him, save him because you need to save him. But if he knows something helpful, please give it back to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please help. You know, like you know, you're part of the rebellion. You know, you know, you know your stuff. Um, so it's like it was kind of being like that idea, and the, and the idea is that um, I think we, we mentioned in the last episode, Wayne has found out somehow, probably not something I really care about going into, but he's found out somehow that there's this Sith temple on Ryloth, on the dark side of Ryloth. Um, I also like the idea that. Um, it's so I'm gonna like with Ryloth, uh, one of its poles on the light side has a Jedi temple, um, and the opposite pole on the dark side has a Sith temple, oh, and I this is why. And I, I like this idea that the mag- you know how you, like Earth has that magnetic field that goes yeah, around yeah, that yeah. stops the sun from destroying us. Like, I like this idea that that exists on Ryloth, but it's like a it's magnetic, but it's also imbued with the Force. Yeah. And so these two poles are an incredibly powerful force conduits that where the temples were built. And because of this weird nature of the force on the planet, that's why it doesn't rotate, why it's perfectly synced oh, as right, it goes okay. around the, the thing. It doesn't like rotate at all. And it's all to do with like, weird things with the force. And that's like my headcanon sort of stuff for what I'm doing hmm. with Ryloth. Yeah. Okay. So this idea is obviously that it's a special Sith temple that the Empire is, you know, they really, really want. And obviously they want to keep it quiet that, that people to people that they want it because no one knows that these you know a lot of people know who vader are vader is um probably not like the general population of the galaxy but a lot of people within the empire will have come across vader or have heard stories of him and they know that he is a force user and is like the last member of this ancient religion but even like nobody knows very very few people know that the emperor is a sith yeah um, and the Jedi are like this myth because even before the fall of the Jedi in episode three, like the Jedi had been like subscribed to myth and legend and yeah, most yeah, yeah. of the galaxy before that, even because their numbers were so little. So I like that idea that they, um, I mean, even although Anakin knows about them and who he talks to angels. So, um, <laughs> but I like this idea of um, Ryloth being this sort of important point. You guys are then going to have to go there to try and stop what's going on yeah um 
yeah and then I, I've always you know I wanted this uh, last campaign to be a lot to do with your guys backstories I think now would be a good time to talk about the fact that obviously uh, so you'll have heard the announcement previously that Henry um, isn't going to be able to be part of the podcast anymore um, and so we we alluded previously into the announcement around that that we were trying to make a decision as to what to do with Uma for the third yeah. season. Yeah. We're not sure when it's going to happen. It's unlikely that Henry would be able to be part of it. Um, and we don't want to hinge it on that. Yeah. Um, so what we've decided is that um, there's been a few things like that I've tried to set up for the future story of Uma's character. And I don't want to do a disservice to that character and to Henry by trying to tell it without him. Yeah. And to try and tell it more poorly because he's not there to play the character and I was obviously would have to play Uma yeah. if we were to have him in it. So we've made the decision that Uma at the beginning of the next season is going to depart from the group in the search of his own adventure that mm-hmm. will be this story that we're uh, I've prepared and set up for him. Whether we get the opportunity in the future to tell that, hopefully we will, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and then the remainder of the characters are going to go off into the season three. And it's going to be a big thing of that. Obviously, Ryloth is incredibly important to Tokrin, and we're going to have a lot of Tokrin's backstory stuff come into it. And also, we're going to tie it into Luna's backstory as well. And the stuff that I can say around that, really, without giving too much away, is that obviously Luna's family, which we've said before, is Imperial. She had an uncle who was a Jedi, um, and they, the rest of her family were Republic senators. So her, her father was a, uh, was it a father or a mother father i think, I think I it was remember. her father her father was a republic senator um and they they were like very very well respected on their planet obviously being the republic you know yeah, being yeah, the senator yeah. for their entire planet which we've still not named nope, true. um but the idea Nunaville. they so they were like very very real very powerful family on this and then she obviously grew up more raised by the ideals of her uncle than her family, who are a bit. And her uncle, so her uncle was a Jedi, and he stayed on this planet because I think he was he was older. He was much older. He was older. He didn't stay on the planet. He he would have been on Jedi business on Coruscant a lot, or other yeah. Jedi temples around the galaxy and stuff. But he looked after Luna. But he would visit regularly to see Luna. Mm. Um, he obviously. I think there was definitely something around. There was an extended period of time where he looked after Luna, and she was the. He was the sort of dad that he grew up. He's she saw him more than she saw her actual parents. Yes, and no, yeah. that was the... I think he was. I think this th- their planet was fairly sheltered from the Clone Wars. Um, but he would like every time he would have leave from the wars, he would come back and speak to her. And there would have been periods of his life where he would spend a lot of time with Luna. I mean, yeah. she was only she was like a young teenager when she left home after yeah, the yeah. Order sixty six or something. So she isn't particularly. She's in her twenties, I think. Now we say yeah. Um, so she wasn't like um, but yeah she, he, he's been a big part of her life and um, although not like exactly raised her she always identified more with him than she did with the others and part of that is because she's force sensitive and he is and the rest of her family's not Yeah. so the two of them are linked by the force even when he's not there they're connected and he she learns from him even when they're not together yeah, although she yeah, didn't yeah. understand that at the time that she's being influenced by his ideals of the Jedi rather than the ideals of a mem, you know, family member. And, and of course, he never grew up with his family. Um, he would have visited them and stuff, and 
known them. Probably not to the liking of Jedi like Yoda, that attachment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he would have visited them and then... Um, but he obviously didn't grow up there. So he didn't grow up to be the same people as his brother, who is far more uh, sort of posh twat. <laughs> but he's, he's more like he like he basically runs this you know he doesn't run the world because there's another head of state but yeah. he helps run the planet and like speaks for it in the republic he's very high in himself and all this sort of stuff and looks down on the little people and luna never connected to that and the uncle never grew up with that so they have this family and when the republic became the empire they became imperial senators yeah and so at this point they are members of the her father is still an imperial senator and her brother is with has joined the Imperial Navy. So it's sort of that sort of thing. I'm going to bring their side of things into it a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, and, and have some fun with that. I think that Luna had a brief vision or a conversation with her uncle's force ghost. In, in Weapon 26? 26, didn't Yeah, yeah. Spoke thought... to her uncle. Yeah. I mean, it's all about father figures for Luna. <laughs> <laughs> she has three. <laughs> Who's the third? Top Wait, Wayne. Wayne. Uh, oh, you mean her real and dad? Her real dad. Uh, her real dad, yeah. And Tarkin. <laughs> and it. I suppose, yeah, Tarkin was. An HK. Age. <laughs> yeah, Luna's sure. got daddy issues. <laughs> so then. Cause, which we can say because Robin's not here to punch us in the face. <laughs> um, and then Luna went away in our intergalactic gap here. Gap, yeah. And um, got and came across Wayne and his crew of... Where she rebelled everywhere. Pirates. <laughs> Where her... Um, yes. Pirates. And then that's how <clears throat> she knows Wayne. And then they got separated in that big crash. Yeah. Like they got attacked by an Imperial ship or something. There was yeah. something, but anyway, the, the ship got destroyed. So I think and... Luna is around 20 to 22 years old yeah. at the time that we are now. And we're around... Jesus, so actually... So she was... She was really young when she left her intergalactic She was. Gap, she yeah. was like... 13, 14. Jesus. And around the... I, I, I mean, you could rule a country. If you were on Naboo, you could be the queen of that place. I think she spent at least four years or something with Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Maybe even five. And yeah. then uh, before the accident that caused them to be separated. And she thought Wayne was dead. And she basically inherited his ship. Yeah. And continued on with that, uh, where she ended up going to Ryloth. Where we, we haven't decided on this. We discussed whether she lived there for a while or what the deal was, was or what's going she on. She was there for a while. You know, she whether was... that be a month, whether that be a year. Exactly. She was on Ryloth for, for a wee bit. Um, and she had, being trained by pirates and stuff, had decided to hide her ship on the dark side of the moon, or yeah. dark side of the planet, to try and prevent people from nicking it. Yeah. Um, and then, like, gone over, you, you, you used the speeder that she scavenged or walked to um the, the nearest town yeah and then obviously Tokrin living on the dark side had come across this ship and thought oh i could use i couldn't just steal it i, I can use bits of this to repair my ship yeah. <laughs> which i think he would do because he was like so invested in fixing his ship at that point yeah 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 and then yeah when they they he met her in the town and was like oh you just use the force fuck you shouldn't do that because there are imperials here that fuck you up like, yeah 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 but at that point she didn't really know what she was doing with it's just kind of this thing i've always been able to do she yeah because she was so young when she knew her un- uncle and her she was never trained she never went down the jedi route yes so for whatever reason for that we don't for, know. for me i think it would be that her brother would have pushed for her to when as an infant to be taken to the jedi temple yeah. her uncle sorry yes but her dad 
who despises the uncle because he's got all these ideals and he was trained in a different fam, you know, different he place. The special one. He's the special one. He's the better one. He was like, I don't know. I'm not doing that to my, you know, yeah. I don't want her to grow up and be like you. Yeah. Um, which is why Luna never got on with her dad because her brother grew up to be very much like her dad. She grew up to look more, be more and more like her uncle the entire, like for, for ages. And so he resented her for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then we, yeah, and then... But she grew up with the Force, uh, and there was a sort of thing mm. that she could do that I didn't, that maybe her uncle sort of tended to a little bit, but didn't really want to train her to actually be able to use it, because... Well, she didn't want to, she, he she, didn't want to get could... in trouble with her dad and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. and be like, right, this is a, this is a good way to, like, yeah. get her, like, ousted from the family, yeah. let's not do that. <laughs> and then in her intergalactic gap here, it's still something that she could just kind of do, and she didn't really see much yeah, wrong with exactly. it, so and would she would use it. She'd have forgotten a lot of the things that her uncle taught her as a child and stuff, mm. and... It's that thing of that the galaxy is a weird and wonderful place with tons of weird stuff in it. So if you can do something, lots of species can do loads of special stuff. Yeah. And if you can do this special thing, you and you've never been taught that it's the Force and a thing that was respected yeah. by everyone and the Jedi and all this sort of stuff, and there's a dark and light side to it. You don't know what that is. It's just a thing yeah. that lets you move rocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's this like, and and it's like she she wouldn't have known that the connection that she felt with her uncle was more than just yeah a connection. So she, yeah, I like this idea that, you know, and then obviously she met Tokrin who like taught her a little bit more about it. Was like, ah, oh, someone's destroyed your ship. Ah, oh, fuck. Um, well, come with my, me. I've just had this message from a friend on another planet. And this was this little story campaign that we, we did. And it's like, we're going to go off on this little adventure. You want to come? And she's like, I do adventures for breakfast. And we went off and did this adventure. And then you came eventually. So was, that, point... so was the, the, the eclipse, was that just a weird combination of the twilight which was no so later on you guys come back and to ryloth to collect the eclipse when you become friends with luna yeah. she'd explain what the eclipse meant to her you were like oh fuck um well i don't give a shit about this piece of crap <laughs> so you guys return to that and then you use the bits of the eclipse that you had to repair it yeah. probably not telling luna where you're going from um <laughs> but um you repair it and you guys come to an understanding and a friendship and then when you had um it's like maybe you guys then took the eclipse for like a spin and then when you're like in the eclipse you guys are like deciding about what you wanted to do that you guys could travel together and all this sort of stuff and you're like Tokrin's like right okay well I need to get some stuff from my home then before I go yeah and then you guys were um or maybe even needed to say goodbye to somebody on the planet or whoever uh, I can't oh. remember what happened in that bad story for you. We were, we were going to go into Tolkien's bad story soon. <laughs> it's longer than this. Um, <laughs> We've already been going for over an hour. Whoa. I hope you got another hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you guys return to the planet. It's either before you repair the ship or whatever. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. But at some point you return to the planet, which is when you find Uma, who's being hassled by the other people and dragged to the dark side to your camp where the outsider lives. And because he's never lived on Ryloth and they can tell and they're just like beating the shit out of him. And you come in and then you aid him. Uh, but also Uma like holds his own and like beats up these fuckers. Yeah. Um, and we, we literally have that in the end of the crossover campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. And that moment is, is, is played out in that, that you guys return at that moment to find this and end up becoming friends with Uma as well. And the, the three of you like maybe sit, and stay for days at the camp that you've created and, and chat and get to know each other 
Um, and then at that point was when the campaign that we had never played before. Um, yeah. the, the, the one we didn't record. The one, sorry, not played before, played. <laughs> um, the one that we never recorded takes place and then you guys get sort of this call to action. Um, and you go off and do this adventure and earn your place within the rebellion, which yeah. is eventually, and then a year later, we find the three characters as they are at the beginning of Weapon Twenty Six, a part of the rebellion, um, and respected within it. Partly because some of the members of the rebellion remember Tokrin from the Clone Wars, which is why he has the rank of general. Um, and over the year, you guys have done jobs for them and stuff, and like you're recognised as these competent and like good soldiers yeah. that are able to like do good for the rebellion. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there was a lot. There was a I think because you and me loved Star Wars so much. Yes. There was a lot of thought that went into yeah. a lot of this, and I never really properly appreciated until now how much shit there was set up before we started recording with it. Yes. <laughs> and like, so we, yeah, I, I want to set this up. The third season's going to be good, regardless of the fact that Uma may well not be in it. Mm. Um, it is going to be the ending to the trilogy that I wanted. Um, I'm just going to leave bits of it out because I want the chance in the future possibly to, if you know, if, we, if we, I want to leave the door open that if we ever do get the chance to do that campaign mm-hmm. with Uma's story, that we get the chance to do that. Yeah. Um, and if in the future we go down the line and it's unfortunately Henry's not being able to do that with us, uh, then maybe we'll, you know, one day we might actually get somebody else in to play Uma. I don't want to play myself. I don't think that would be right for the for mm. a story based off that about that character. Yeah. yeah so but we'll we'll see. Um but the third season is going to the, the story luckily doesn't hinge um on on any of the characters really being in it. It can work well and be modified for 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 for, for this eventuality really. So yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, everyone will enjoy it just as much, and hopefully, they'll they'll know that there's this story that's left to be told. Even if we write Uma's story as a book one day yeah. or something, or as a short like um, a short monologue book style thing yeah. um, to tell the story of what happens, uh, that would be really cool. So ho- you know, hopefully, they'll just be happy that season three is happening and it's going to be good and it's going to be like a bit more epic, yeah. and they'll be excited also the fact that there's this other story that they get to hear from this. Yeah. these characters no, I think that for, for me season 3 is very much feeling like it's going to be the you know season 1 is um, the weapon 26 was we're sort of on uh, in the rebellion there's this one there's a cool there's a ship that's special and it's actually special to the yeah. emperor yeah. and stuff so we're going to get that idea in there and then season 2 actually we become direct, almost directly involved right at the end with the large the larger imperial forces with now we know the Emperor is actually specifically interested in yeah. this temple. Now, mm. actually going to season three, we are actually now in the absolute dead centre of like what the, the dodgy shit that the Empire are doing. And we're going to exactly. be much like now the Empire are like, oh fuck these guys, like have to deal with these guys. So it's going to become a lot more. Exactly. Epic. Yeah. And, then the- and it's also a lot of the Force stuff is interesting because for me, for Tokrin, now this is like oh my god the force is now back this is a sith temple what yes the fuck? exactly yeah yeah and then we get to go in a lot more into the force and tokrin's opinion of the force and what you know we get to have this big discussion of the right and the wrong and yeah, all this yeah. stuff so yeah we get to go into that sort of stuff 
Do you want to talk about Tochran's backstory? Uh, I do. I do. Um, it's a good backstory. It's pretty good. It's like, pretty fucking good. I, I wrote it on holiday. When, when did I, you write it? Give it context to all the Star Wars stuff that's come out since then. Um, <clears throat> it must have been... 2016 yeah. 2017 yeah summer 20 summer 2016 is that right yes yeah summer 2016 i think the i was of... i was in on holiday in corsica yes it is exactly then that's when that's when it was yeah uh i was on holiday in corsica with my family and we were doing a lot of hill walking and climbing and the, there was a lot of like long drives to get to these places or like an hour, there was we did like two like an hour between one and three hours of driving every day how did james and connor enjoy their holidays <laughs> well we write star wars things <laughs> so in the car in between you know episodes of car sickness connor nice. would geek out to hell on his phone writing um stuff for the star wars campaign that we were gonna do um and uh, i just need to get this up now this is my... this is this is a, a good like thing like public announcement we should say for people if they ever want to start podcasting or do your own thing if you have a job alongside it which we do if you have a life alongside it which you do you have to find weird times to do this stuff yeah because you got to do it at some point and it is really fun and we love doing it but you do have to make time for (laughs) so it's nine pages long of a4 <laughs> and it's split into chapters it's nine pages i forgot about this it's nine pages long um it's split into 12 chapters chapter one do but but each each chapter is like two paragraphs like they're, they're not long so it's like we'll read a chapter and then we'll see if we want to talk about anything in that and then we'll move on to the next one and we'll do that 12 times over i'll let you read out the chapter in totality and then i'll ask questions afterwards yeah 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 because i haven't read this since 2017 yeah yeah probably probably. the last time that i read it i read a bit of it this morning and then we decided fuck it let's get the surprise (laughs) (laughs) because i was reading it i was like fuck i don't remember this bit (laughs) so right okay tokran reldegos birth to present that's what it says chapter one not quite present anymore no exactly (laughs) so family upbringing chapter one Uh uh-huh talking real dagos was born on the world of seria to a family blessed with intelligence but not wealth his father worked as a mechanic for the area's transport infrastructure and owned an expansive home workshop here his father would make himself a recluse during his free time devoting little time to his wife and only child talking Tokrin's mother made her living as a librarian and was appreciated by many as a source of great wisdom and knowledge. From birth, she strived to pass on much of her understanding of the universe to her only son. It was apparent to her that Tokrin had hereditary intelligence to match that of his parents, but was all but it was also apparent that to his mother that he possessed something more. In secrecy from his father, his mother let him play in his father's workshop under supervision. Um, there she realised his talents for understanding how things were put together and how things worked. From many days of watching him, she began to believe that he was Force-sensitive, something she knew much about from her readings in the library. It became apparent through seeing Tokrin pass through school that he had intelligence far beyond that of even most Serians, who were already renowned for the intelligence due to their binary brains. However, in discussing her, fa- her thoughts with Tokrin's father, this created a rift in the family, and led to a troubled first few years of Tokrin's life. 
His parents' views conflicted over Tochran's future. His mother won. His mother felt uh, that Tochran's destiny lay beyond Seria in the greater universe, where his potential could be realized. However, his father had a more selfish yet understandable view, and wanted his only son to remain on world to help and support the family. So effectively, just to become a moisture farmer. They <laughs> one more season. But I want to go collect power converters. <laughs> this rift in the family led to a chaotic upbringing, only intensified by his mother's desire to set Tokrin free to fulfil his full potential in a greater galaxy. Tokrin began to show the effects of his family troubles as he began to ostracise himself from the family. She began to sense fear and conflict within him and decided to make the bold decision to flee off-world with him to save him from letting his talents go to waste. Mm. So how old is he when they leave? Um, Don't know. Shall I find, I might, I've got an age thing at the end. <laughs> but he's not like... Because he, he'd be quite an old initiate into the Order, wouldn't he? The um, Jedi Order. He left Syria at age five. Age five. So he is a fairly old... And became an initiate at that time as well. Yeah, which isn't completely unheard of. I think Obi-Wan was older when he joined as well. Oh, really? Yeah. But yes, we've never really... We've never really gone into this. So, Tokrin's... So, is Tokrin's mum force-sensitive? Uh, no. So when you sen- say senses fear and conflict within him, you mean, like, this mother boy's scared. Yeah, yeah as he in, keeps like... throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> so, like, he's an angry child. He's got some fucking temper problems. <laughs> he's either force-sensitive or he's got ADHD. So... He was... Because he was, Tokrin now uh, is sort of a grumpy old man. That's the yes. way I try and play it. He was actually a grumpy old man at the age of five as well. Good. <laughs> Reminds me of myself. <laughs> Good. Yes, I like that. No, cool. So he left... Sorry, I like this idea that he was like, even at the age of like two or something, it was obviously like, wow, he's smarter than all the other fucking kids, man. Like yeah. kid, like, they like all a, have two brains. Yeah, and he's like a three, four year old that's in like a garage and he can build stuff. And you're yeah. Like, wow, this kid's cool. Yeah. Right, chapter two. Um... He was born with his backstory in, in his DNA. <laughs> Tokrin and his mother fled to Seria's spaceport and snuck into a freighter. A freighter? A, a freighter ship. A frightening freighter. A freighter ship. Snuck into a freighter ship headed for Coruscant, the centre of the Republic and the civilised universe. This seemed the most suitable place to allow Tokrin a fresh start in a modern new world uh, where his talents would be put to better use. The ship in which they head on its journey to on their journey to Coruscant carried many goods and was obviously just a trading cargo ship. Many of the containers contained what Tokrin's mother knew to be Beskar, a Mandalorian steel so tough it would withstand, it could withstand blaster bolts and even lightsaber strikes. The mother was full of hope as the ship came in to land at Curson's trading port. However, their luck was about to end. A large explosion from another part of the ship tore through the hangar, throwing them and the cargo into the air and into a pile of debris. The ship was under attack. The two of them could hear ex- exchange of gunfire and more explosions shook the ship. The gunfire entered the hangar where they hid as suited and helmeted figures entered opening fire in the hangar. Tokrin's mum realised that these were Mandalorians reclaiming their Beskar, as it is not usually sold or traded with other races. It became apparent that she had chosen the wrong ship to flee in. While trying to flee the ship among the flurry of, uh, flurry of gunfire, Tokrin's mother took fire from a Mandalorian warrior and fell to the ground. As Tokrin screamed and fell over the body to try and find a sign of life from his mother, so apparently he was also a doctor. 
Kids. He <laughs> knew medicine. A uh, blue blade of light burst into the room and flurried in destructive rounds. The blue blade reduced many in the room to the ground and caused the rest of the uh, the rest to flee the ship. The Mandalorians taking to the skies in their jetpacks. As the dust settled, the Jedi Knight Sifo-Dyas heard the tears of Tokrin and took him to the police to arrange his adoption. However, on his way to the station, he sensed promise in Tokrin and could feel the way he unknowingly used the Force to enhance his intelligence, initiative, and understanding of the world. Enhance his initiative, but he's never come first in a combat. (laughs) (laughs) Having lost his family, Sifo-Dyas took Tokrin instead to the Jedi Council, who decided it best to take the boy into the temple's arms and train him. Some on the council, however, feared that the experiences which Tokrin had faced may have irreversibly tainted his life with fear and pain. Mm. However, the majority of the council voted to bring Tokrin into the Jedi Initiate scheme, despite his unusual me- method of entry. Very good. I've made an, I'm, I'm making notes of stuff to talk about later on. Okay. Because I know what, what, how, where the backstory goes about stuff that I've realised we've made accidental ties to stuff. <laughs> right. So I'm making so, notes of interesting things to talk about, but I think it's really cool. We've but got... yeah, so talking mummy dead. She, she died. Cry, cry. He's never really... I've never really gone into the hating Mandalorian thing. I guess he was too young to really understand that. We I've have. Never... Have we? By accident. This is the note that I've got, but right. I don't want to go into it until we talk about something later on in his backstory. Oh, right, okay, okay. But we have a little bit, but we know we yeah we haven't mentioned anything about Mandalorians specifically. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I think the thing about Tokrin's backstory is that he's like fifty something at this point, yeah. and a lot of this sort of emotions and the training of yeah. the Jedi has, has like, taken away the freshness of it and stuff. Like Uma and Luna are younger, and the stuff in their backstory yeah. is more fresh for them. Um, like Luna, the conflict with her and her family and stuff is still very fresh for her, whereas like Uma is. A much wiser person than he used to be. Tokrin. That's what I said. <laughs> Tokrin is a much wiser person than he used to be. And I think that's like well played in it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the subtleties of the disdain and hatred is difficult to play, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, would be yeah. interesting. Okay. Might have to give you some chances to <laughs> unpackage that. <laughs> so, chapter three. How would you feel about a therapy group? <laughs> As a youngling, Tokrin excelled in his studies of the universe and showed he was competent in combat. Well, that's fucking not true. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's lost that over the years. Competent in combat. He's down again. (laughs) Yep. However, he showed a lack of interest in personal reflection and meditation on the Force, Mm -hmm. which we do go into in Weapon 26. We do. And a little bit in this is that he talks to Uma about it. Yep, yep. And and, and he gets better throughout the campaigns that we've now played. Mm. He would not op- open himself to the Force like the other younglings would. Skipping meditation made for many unwanted encounters with Jedi Elders and many detentions. Naughty boy. <laughs> he also spent much of his time in the library or dismantling and rebuilding temple droids rather than socialising with his clan. And they're, they're called clans. The, the, all the Jedi younglings are split into like little groups of their little clans. classmates. Yeah. Connor and I, as you can tell, have read The Jedi Path. <laughs> which is a fucking for great book. <laughs> it's a fucking great book, which I've got right next to me here. It is, um, yeah, it's it's one of the four books that you can buy that in, outlines the Jedi stuff, the Jedi What's Path. The fourth one. So you've got the Jedi Path, the Bounty Hunters Code. You've got the Sith um, Bible, Bible, and you've got the Imperial Code. Quran. 
The Imperial Code. Oh, the Imperial Code. That's cool. But yeah, no, we, we, we Connor and I both read this. It's great. And I, I, I read this on that holiday, and um, I based a lot because I knew that this was. I wanted this to be a story about how Tokran came through the 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 Jedi. Um, like the Jedi code. What what you? James has given me the open mouth. The fuck! This is so cool. Just open it to a random page. There's a bunch of like um. Uh, what do you call it when pages were redacted 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 pages all blacked out and the only word you can just about make out underneath one of the redacted sections is fulcrum which is um you'll know from um clone wars yeah they say you're being contacted by fulcrum and he goes oh saw Guerrera yeah because it's his code name yeah and it's later used by ahsoka during the rebels ah. the rebels have an, an ally that nobody knows knows about nobody who knows who they are and they are um this uh, special person who's who's helping the rebels out, and it is Fulcrum. All right, and it okay. is Ahsoka. Very good. I've also got a burnt old version of the Jedi. I'm making that code in here. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Right, where are we? Um, yeah, as he passed good. through the initiate uh, stage of his training, Tokrin was assigned to a satellite academy on the snowy planet of Talos. And later, the forest world of Obroa Sky, which I think were two they, planets in that book. Oh, they're canonical, nice. Yeah, um, with customized curricula for the academically accustomed initiates. The curricula focused more on science and technology, hoping to mold their students into roles related to these fields of study. During Tokrin's time as an initiate, he met his to be master. A humanoid named Master Kelso. Master which... Pencil, 2B. <laughs> and this Master Kelso, I had completely fucking forgotten about until this morning when I read it. Yes, this. yeah. So, and I this is the where I got to reading this morning. So I now cannot remember much after. Oh this. yes, so, yeah, this is stuff. all going to be new to me as well. <laughs> so Tokrin felt he was the only person that fully understand his worth to the order, and became clo- uh, no Kelso. It should be that should be Kelso. Master Kelso felt he was the. Oh my god, this is... You can tell I haven't read this already. <laughs> so Tolkien felt that Master Kelso thought that he was the only uh, person that sort of knew the, the use that he could be to the Order. So he, he was like... He, Master Kelso was the only person that could see the value of Tolkien. Yes, there you go. I should have written it that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Throughout the eight years, Tolkien spelt on Telos. Spelt him? How do you spell Kellos? <laughs> Kellogs. Um, much of it was spent personally working with Kelso on research projects working to discover vital intelligence for the Order. Padawan Years, Chapter 4. Chapter 4. At the age of... Unless you want to say anything about that. <laughs> but that that's a bit in that in, in those books you would talk about the different places you can go as a Jedi. Yes, you, can yeah. be like, you can stay and work in the temple and like become one of the masters and go along that path or you can go in, like, on these outposts for different yeah. people there's ones who are like really interested in medicine ones who are really interested in technology which is this yes, one that yeah. is involved um, I think the thing of like um, the thing about the Jedi is that you know at the time and not long after the Old Republic when the Jedi had been really necess- you know they, they were really necessary because the Sith was such a scourge yeah. and there was the Mandalorian Wars and all this sort of stuff there were loads of fucking Jedi there were like hundreds of thousands yeah, yeah, of them yeah, around yeah. The, or maybe millions around the galaxy and there were so many different places where they were trained and stuff and then later on after you know after a thousand years of peace um with no need for the jedi because you know battles have been fought and all this sort of stuff but like the jedi themselves weren't necessary i mean yeah. the clone wars was the first time in fucking 
ever yeah. that the Jedi had to be had to be involved in a conflict. Yeah. Which is why Yoda really didn't fucking want to be involved in it because he'd known most of the thousand years of peace. Yeah, yeah. So he was yeah. like, "This is really not our place." Yeah. So like, I think it's it's interesting that they, you know, as the the Jedi became a smaller and smaller force because people around the galaxy stopped believing in them or stopped thinking that they were needed and you know people don't want to send their yeah. they became less important people didn't want to send their kids off to become jedi yeah um and as they shrunk in their numbers they focused more on being part of you know they stayed more on coruscant and the training in coruscant because there were so few of them to train people they needed to do it in one location yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they did it in coruscant and they did it in a few other places around the galaxy but not nearly to the number that they used to and that's part of the reason they ended up becoming so political in the end. Well, actually, because it's now canon that at the table we'll talk, we'll do an episode mm. about the High Republic stuff and whatnot. Yes. But actually, the, it, during the times of the hard High Republic, which is now becoming canon, which is replacing the old canon, the uh, Jedi are not actually part of the Republic. Is this during... When is the High Republic? High Republic is 200 years before Phantom Menace. Oh, so interesting. Actually, oh, so it's replacing the old Republic yeah. stuff. I so see. actually, not even part of the Republic, and it sort of implies that it was them. So whatever happens during the High Republic means that they join the Republic, and it's almost like joining the Republic is the beginning of the Empire, uh, beginning of the Jedi Order's end. So right. Like that was the mistake. Yeah, you see. know, the thousand year, um, you know, of of peace, then comes to. A so does that? They... I suppose. I mean, we're going to talk about the High Republic in another episode. The I suppose that would mean that the old Republic stuff does that mean that that stuff still happened but the Jedi weren't actually part of the Republic during that time well they they, they I, I I'm not sure I'm not sure whether because you know the, the, the old Republic spans literally tens of thousands of years yes. so like yeah. they could have been joining not joining joining not like right. they, you know an on and off relationship and I suppose that's something that we'll find later on as the canon more yeah, develops because yeah. but, they, but the old Republic is it is canon because it's mentioned in um, uh, episode four. Ben Kenobi says the Old Republic, um, the the years of the Old Republic. In, yes, in, in yes. That chat but in... he means the Republic. Yeah, but 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 we can dream. We can dream. <laughs> I I think that's the weird thing is that when Disney wiped canon, nobody spoke about the Old Republic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's probably not canon and all that sort of stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff there. I still believe it's still it's still canon in my mind. Until someone replaces it, it's all canon. That, that's the thing is, I don't mind if somebody replaces it with something good. Um, and that's you know that's the thing is that the, the beautiful thing is that as a fan of Star Wars, you don't really have to be told yeah. what's and that's the beauty about our podcast. Whatever we want to be canon within our world of the Star yeah. Wars can be canon. So we can pick and choose from our favorite bits of Star Wars. What do you mean like, it is canon? Time. No, you mean it's all real. <laughs> but like even in, like in the in the Rise of Skywalker, the name Revan is canon yes. because one of the Imperial uh, Star Destroyers is named after it. But you know, for all you know, that literally his name is all that's canon. He could have been like the the dinner lady uh, on the more, Death no, Star. No, more than him, more than that is is canon because um uh so Galaxy's Edge is technically canon. Yeah. And they have sold an official canon version of the rebel of the Revan lightsaber. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they, well. they, they, he is a force user within the galaxy okay. somehow. It'd be interesting to see how they use him. But so the High Republic, yeah. Okay, so carrying on then. <laughs> he, it's interesting that he would train like elsewhere from Coruscant, which is nice. Which is yeah. probably why he's a bit less political within the war than. Yeah. other members like Obi-Wan Kenobi is quite political yes within the war as much as he is very much like 
one of even the... though he has no time for politics yeah exactly and he just really work himself to be the ideal jedi yeah. like even in, in like in the clone wars you can see how he really is just like he's in love with this woman and you know mm-hmm. she, in like the last season of, of, of clone wars which we won't spoil but like he talks about the fact that, that characters in the past that he should be hurt about but he doesn't let that affect him because it's not the yeah. time and the place for it and it's more important things he's like the ideal jedi but he is still quite affected by the politics yeah. of all of it well, it's interesting so chapter four the padawan years padawan years at the age of 15 tokran was required to travel back to coruscant to undertake the initiate trials do you say coruscant or coruscant uh, i, I say know. coruscant it is coruscant do i say coruscant red current but no but other, other people say coruscant as well okay there you go like curry um, <laughs> to undertake the Jedi the initiate trials his lack of appreciation for the force seemed to show as there was very little interest from Jedi Knights and Masters to take on Tokrin as a Padawan I love it Master Kelso was the only Jedi to formally offer Padawan training to Tokrin which Tokrin was of course delighted with together with Kelso I think Kelso is a a, a town in the they... Scottish Hebrides I, I love think it. where I've got that from. I love it. Anyway. Do they do they bid? I don't. For the Padawans. Yes, yeah, so the, the 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 Jedi Knight. That's in that book as well. The, so they make the, offers. Yes, and then there's like a auction. <laughs> Padawan going once, going twice. Soul know, like to the, the man in the back with the creepy. Are you a Jedi Master, sir? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, I think it's like they they put in like offers like, well, I want to train this one. Then they like discuss the the like, the grand the Grand Masters will then Assigned. discuss and like be like, oh, this person suited to this person. Blah blah I see, blah. I see. So, um, together with Kelso, Tokrin was stationed at planets uh, planets across the core, outer rim, and even wild space throughout his Padawan years. He studied the unstable volcanic core of. Uh, uh, volcanic core of the ice world of Tund studied the violent atmospheric storms of Harath resolved a gas mining dispute on Osis while studying its energy potential and in typical Padawan tradition built his first lightsaber on Ilum nice oh Ilum? Ilum? Il- uh, I don't know I said this in my stream of Jedi of all another. Ilum? And the Clone Wars, I think they say Ilum. Ilum. Tokin's first lightsaber took power from a yellow crystal and become highly modified as his time of serving his time of serving the Republic went on, and his technical skills were expanded. Tokin's saber saw much use on Osis as he began to establish distinguished fighting style, often incorporating other of his handcrafted weapons in combat. The use of other weapons in combat was somewhat frowned upon by both Master Kelso and the High Council, but they saved the Master Padawan duo on many occasions, providing their worth. The rise of the Trade Federation marked a change in duty for Tokrin and Kelso. During the final years of his Padawan training, Tokrin travelled to on a, on a Praxium ship with the Exploration Corps of the Order. This ship travelled primarily around the Outer Rim territories, rescuing systems threatened by Separatist Overturn. However, the majority of their time was spent closer to their area of expertise, capturing and analysing the initial Separatist droid units to gain intelligence into their design and potential weak points. So the wars started at this point? Yes. And that's so the very... So this is, you know, before episode one. This is just before episode one, because the wars started in episode one. How old one. is he? The, this point? So he'd be like... So he's he became a Padawan at... 15 so he's probably 20 now nearly 20 yeah 
So then, yeah, that would work. Something like that. Yeah. Cool. So the Jedi Knight Trials, chapter five. The important research Tokrin was involved in in his final Padawan years ended up being detrimental to him in some ways as it caused him to take his mind off of his training and what he was working towards, the Jedi Knight Trials. Kelso knew this to be the case and feared that Tokrin was not ready for the trials. He was also aware that Tokrin's current post on the Praxium ship was to be replaced by the new Jedi Knight. If Tokrin were to pass the trials, then he could refill his position as a Jedi as this Jedi Knight. But if he failed, Tokrin would have to be repositioned away from this Praxium ship and his good friend Master Kelso. Uh-huh. Kelso had little worry that Tokrin would pass the trials, of course. Uh, no. Blah, 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 blah. Kelso had little worry that Tokrin would pass the trials of courage, spirit, and uh, flesh. However, he feared that his lack of aptitude for force use would leave him lacking in the trials of skill and insight, which are all... The trials of the... the, the trials yeah. Of Kelso knew better than anyone that Tokrin was a great Jedi, and that his talents were unique and much required by the Order, especially in war. The fact that Tokrin had not the same respect for the Force was made up for in other areas. This was not to say that Tokrin had no respect for the Force, just that his primary interests, uh, interests in being in the Jedi Order lay in its other aspects. Predictably, Tokrin excelled in the aspects of the trials that required him to rely on knowledge um, and understanding. However, he failed those that required him to connect with the Force. This led him to losing his position on the Praxium ship, and he was repositioned in the temple on Coruscant. Mm. Coruscant. (laughs) I tried at that time. It felt a bit weird. (laughs) Coruscant, where he would have to focus more on developing his connection with the Force. Right. So does that mean he lost his master at that point as well? Um, yes, I'm about to say that. Oh. Chapter's not finished yet, James. Ah! <laughs> Ruined. An element of resent grew within Tokrin, knowing that his skills were needed but not being put to use. He wanted to help and had the Jedi Order close to his heart, but felt he had been let down. Due to this, his initial attempts to connect with the Force were clouded with anger and pain. These notions worried Tokrin, and he feared his Jedi path was deviating. For this reason, he consulted fellow Serian on the council, Kaya de Mundi, who devoted time to centering Tokrin in his meditations and helping clear his mind. Tokrin grew great respect for Kaya de Mundi, and valued his efforts to help him greatly. Kaya de Mundi even took Tokrin back to Seria on a consular mission. This was the first time Tokrin had got to see his homeworld that he never knew. Kayadi found much use for Tokrin in his duties and aided That's his That's not strictly true. He did see it before when he was a kid. Yeah. Talking at he... your ass, mate. You <laughs> <laughs> never knew he left it when he was five. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> uh, Kaidi Mundi found much use for Tokrin in his duties and aided his understanding of the force and its applications greatly. Eventually, so I don't I don't know whether I don't think that Kaiadi Mundi officially became his master at that point, but more it was. It was his mentor in a way. It was just sort of an, an unofficial mentor thing while he studied for his exams. Yes. Good. <laughs> his research. Tutor. <laughs> tutor while he studied he, for his exams. He resets. was a tutor, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, the time came for Tokin to reset the night, Jedi Knight trials. Reset. Which, <laughs> which, he succeeded in, which he succeeded in the second time round. His. Uh, his insh- he ensured the role of a Jedi Sentinel 
Jedi Path, page 126, I've written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is in that book, apparently. He specialised as a tech expert and become very accomplished in the force skill of Mechuderu, which sounds like some weird... Machu Picchu. <laughs> sounds like some sort of weird sex thing. Yes. <laughs> the intuitive understanding of how complicated structures, including machinery and circuitry, fit together. I like it. Like Chapter it. six, the <gasps> Jedi Knight Years, Episode One, The Phantom Menace. So this is the during the times of Shit. During the events of Episode One, Tokran was positioned on the Praxium ship, which travelled between multiple systems investigating Separatist technology and hacking Separatist communications to provide the Republic with intel. Quickly making a name for himself, he was promoted to commander of the ship and became well-known and respected within the Order for his efforts. Many within the Order saw him as a grey Jedi, however... However... <laughs> although, <laughs> and then, uh, although grey Jedi do not break the Jedi orthodoxy condemning the dark side, they bristle when asked to take orders from the Council. Grey Jedi make compromises, cut corners, and hide their actions from scrutiny all under the assumption that their experience makes them authorities on policy. They are mavericks who are difficult to control, but can be valued members of the Order nonetheless. And that is a quote from the Jedi Path book. Yeah, it's also like Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, exactly. So that's what he was doing during Episode 1. During Episode 2, <gasps> Attack of the Clones, <laughs> upon discovery of Sifo Dyas's clone army on Kamino... So Tor- wait, is he... During Episode 1, was he a Jedi Knight at that point? Yes, Jedi Knight. Oh, so they were they were like... So him and po- and and Obi Wan. So they were no. So at the same time. I guess. So were they were identifying. Were they identifying flaws and stuff in the in the droids of the thing way before Episode One? Yes. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> the Jedi are just like we might have to war with them soon. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Lucas says so. <laughs> By the time they they already knew that that like battle droids were not brand new to them in episode one they'd seen them no before. but it was the first time the trade federation had done something yeah 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 violent so maybe they'd done some other stuff before but that yeah so i, th- I think i think in my head they'd been doing some stuff before i don't and... think it matters yeah but it's just like yeah they've been studying the the droids and stuff it might not even have been malicious yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. much as just Maybe they'd had like because obviously they created this army for a reason. Maybe they're having skirmishes with other planets and stuff. And he'd been studying the leftover, not so much like capturing droids and like finding weaknesses, but they've been like studying the remains and stuff. And yeah, like, well, yeah, this yeah. is interesting. We should look at this. And yeah, like, I'm not quite sure what these guys are doing. It also might be that the Republic was getting a bit nervous about the fact that one yeah. of their members had like amassed such a strong army, and they were yeah. like, "We'd interest- like to apply pressure on the Jedi to like yeah. investigate this a bit." And you know, it, yeah. It'd totally be like if some if the Jedi found out about why they're making loads of battle droids yeah. or whatever, then the Chancellor would have been like, "Oh, I can't just be like, oh, ignore that." So maybe like, okay, maybe send out a couple of, but maybe maybe you can just sort of investigate a little bit. He wasn't bit. the Chancellor at the time. He wasn't. He wasn't. Naboo Senator. Fucking he was. Big Chancellor Valorum. Yeah. Remember him. Anyway. But he within the in the Republic might have been like using the Republic to try and apply pressure to the Jedi to investigate them. Yeah. Because he wanted to know whether. He, it could be even like that the Emperor was, or, or Palpatine at the time, was trying to figure out whether this was the route he wanted to go. Yeah. Well, the Trade Federation had made this army. I want the Jedi to find out more about it so that yeah. I can learn more about them secretly. 
and be like, hmm, yeah, now these are the guys I want to use against Naboo and start the war with because yeah. this is the army that c- could go up against the Republic. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe he was like oh, influencing yeah, yeah. you from behind the scenes. There you go. Big, big fan of Head big fan of Palpatine. Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Upon discovery, so episode two. Yes. Attack the clones. Upon discovery of Sifo-Dyas's clone army on Kamino, Tolkien was requested to form a team responsible for calibrating and preparing the army for Republic service. And this is interesting because Sifo-Dyas was obviously the, the the Jedi that saved him. Yes, and it's a connection. He designed many of the clones' weapons, armour, and most significantly, the restricting mind chip inserted into each clone trooper's head to make them completely obedient to their commands. Yes, I, this is the point that I wanted to talk about. When you finish the chapter. <laughs> yeah. It was the Chancellor's order... Uh, it was the Chancellor's order... Uh, Chancellor's order design... Or, it was the Chancellor's order to design such a mind chip, yet Tolkien saw risk in implementing the idea, fearing that the chip... Uh, the chips were altered. If the if the chips were altered by the separatists, the entire army could easily be turned on the Republic instantly. Tolkien raised his concerns with the High Council, reporting that he felt something was out of place. However, the Council realized all too late, uh, realized all too well that without the clone army, uh, the Republic had no hope in fighting the separatists. Tokrum was told by Palpatine that he would lose his respected position in the Republic design team if he were to object to the order to make these clones. Yes. And we <laughs> should point out at this point that in the now canon of this, the chip that Tokrum invents, although being the basis of it, is highly modified by Palpatine and other members later well, on. I think that, that's the next chapter. Yes. But the interesting thing about this is that I think... So I want to modify it slightly. Okay. That Tokrum isn't quite as resistant as we wrote him originally. Because Tokrin, st- at this point, still had a disgust and hatred for the Mandalorians. And having a clone army designed ah. at, from a Mandalorian template made that he meant that he inherently didn't trust them and felt that this was necessary to actually modify their behaviour to make sure that they wouldn't turn against the Republic because okay, he didn't trust the Mandalorians. And I'm ah. like, that's the thing I wrote down, Connor. I'm just like... This is definitely we're, why he would have chipped them. Yeah, well, there you go. We're, we're, we're rewriting the backstory we're re- here live. <laughs> we're retconning our <laughs> canon of the canon. Okay. So it, Also, we don't know how quite secret it's all supposed to be. And we know, yes, yes, it's all very hush-hush and nobody really knew about the chips. But Tokrin fucking made them, so fuck. <laughs> um, the other thing I wrote as well from your previous chapter uh, was um, that it's interesting that, like, Tokrin had this great failure because he didn't respect the Force, and it's yeah. part of the reason of why he pushes Uma to try and respect the Force more. Yeah. Even though it's a little bit hypocritical because he knows he didn't do it himself and yeah. still struggles with it. It's like, I didn't have like a huge amount of hatred in my heart, and I still struggled yeah. because of the Force and not respecting it, and I still failed in my life, and I don't want you to go down a really dark line yeah. because you don't respect the Force and don't respect what you've got to appreciate about it. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. Like it's, good, it's good interest. Carry on, carry on. So, The Jedi Knight Years, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So this is where it gets juicy. Juice, 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 juice. After spending years working on the clone army, Tokrin reluctantly designed a mind chip for the clones, including 65 orders corresponding to a different set of instructions. Yes. However, behind the Republic's back, he also inserted a hidden emergency shutdown order where he could control 
which he could control in case of an emergency. He handed the finished designs to the Republic technicians to insert into the new clones. After handing the finished design to Palpatine, strangely, he decided to remove Tokrin from his position as head coordinator of the clone army and reassign the position to one of his close right-hand men. This added to the suspicions that the Jedi Order already had about the Chancellor. The Council decided to assign a Jedi Knight named Anakin to report on the Chancellor's secret <laughs> dealings in light of this event. Nice. I like it. I love it. I oh, about it's that fucking bit. brilliant. Oh, it fits in and everything. Oh, fucking love it. Because we're never actually given a reason why the Jedi just suddenly go, we don't trust the Chancellor. Because he's a sneaky fuck. <laughs> he knows what's in those actually, moves. just before that scene, Tokrin's in there reporting to the High Council about some weird thing that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Fuck yes. In the meantime, Tokrin started his new work within the temple's basement labs designing Jedi battle armor for those on the front line of Clone War combat. Throughout this time, he uh, he and the rest of the Order worried that something was out of place in the war, and this was reflected in Tokrin's meditations. Mm. Chapter 9, Order 66. Oh, that's some good shit. Tokrin's view of Order 66 was a restricted one, as he only experienced the attack on the Jedi Temple late one night when he was working in the basement. It came without warning and without mercy. Upon hearing explosions, gunfire and lightsaber wielding upstairs, Tokrin armed himself and raced upstairs. He was met on the stairs by a battalion of clone troopers. His, gla- his greatest fears had been realised as he realised Realized as he began to understand the scale of the betrayal, yeah. and worst of all, he gave fuel to the fire. Pro- probably <clears> a squad, <throat> not a battalion. Yes. I don't think he came across like 500 <laughs> troops on the stairway. Like, this is fucking ridiculous! <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> probably like a, like a few squads or something, yeah. Yeah. The... Just nitpicking. <laughs> I so, am a my, Star Wars my, my fan en- after my all. My English teacher is just... <laughs> the dyslexic english teacher in the corner over here yeah the clone troopers manufactured obedience had allowed them to easily turn on him and the jedi order mm. after taking out the squad i love it <laughs> not battalion <laughs> no fuck it full battalion full battalion Tokrin's <laughs> a fucking that's why he used up all of his fucking skills <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he does lose like an eye and uh, an arm. Spoil? Oh, that's not really spoiling. No, no, but he has like later on when we're saying, oh yeah, he's not good at combat. But that's yeah. probably because he's missing half of his fucking <laughs> body. <laughs> Eyes and arms, you don't need them to fight. Yeah. After taking on the squad, yes. he hauled a fallen trooper to his lab and analysed his chip, only to discover it had been severely altered from his original design. Love it. He found that an additional order... Order 66 had been inputted to the chip and that his emergency shutdown command had been removed. Mm. Plagued by a feeling of guilt and rage, Tokrin ran up the stairs towards the library where the stairs met the Jedi Temple. There he heard the last rounds of gunfire ring through the hall and the final screams of Jedi as they hit the floor. His last memory of the attack was seeing clone commander was seeing clone command a clone commander signal a tank to laser cannon at him. Tokrin managed to jump out of the blast. However, it blasted through one of the large library columns, which, along with a large bookcase, collapsed on top of him. Tokrin regained consciousness, what must have been some hours later. He was completely covered in rubble and books. 
and books. Even though it's the Jedi's greatest weakness. <laughs> Even though it's definitely the library is like all online. Oh yeah, <laughs> books don't exist. Yeah. Anyway, he realized that they do. Don't maybe they? it's just the sacred texts. People make like a big deal when there's physical books in Star Wars, don't they? Like, yeah. whoa, a book. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he realised the soft paper of the books were probably the only thing that had saved his life from the impact of the column. What, that's the, what the fuck? That's bullshit. Books are basically bricks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the great pain, a great pain resonated through his right side, stretching from his ribs and down his arm. Up his... I've put a full stop in there when I shouldn't have. His ribs, down his arm, up his neck and across the right side of his face. Fuck yes. He was fully aware that he was now unable to move that arm completely, realising that the nerves of his arm must have been severed. Ooh, by the bookcase. Yeah. Oh, paper cuts! Oh, a thousand paper cuts! (laughs) As Tochran lay in shock under the rubble, an eerie silence of the temple made it clear to him that the clones had now left and that he was alone. No signs of life. It's like, it's explosion and the crushing that like yeah. made him lose that sight. Because it's like, explosion damage did most of the damage to his face and his eye and yeah. stuff. And then the bookcase crushed what was left of his arm, really. Yeah, it? exactly. Just answer this to me right now. Because I don't know if you're going to say it. Does he pull his arm off to get free? I can't remember. I don't know if I even... Does he use his lightsaber to cut himself free? Um... No, uh, I just read a bit further on. He doesn't cut his own arm off. So he st- so he gets crushed, and then he gets enough. He gets it out enough. He's able to like lift the bookcase enough to be able to probably. No, no, all right, right I'll, I'll, I've read on that. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read yes, it. yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. His... I'm interested about yeah. what happens to this motherfucker's arm because it's a robot. <laughs> next time we see it, <laughs> his design had wiped out all of the Jedi in the temple, and mm-hmm. he could only guess what had happened to the rest of the Jedi and their personal clone squads. Eventually, he managed to find the physical and anim- personal clone squads. <laughs> I, I wrote battalion again. Everyone's got their own battalion, but they do. Most most Jedi generals have their own battalion. Yeah, well, well, wait, or well. legion. First, five, five, first. It's yeah, Anakin's. Yeah. Eventually, he managed to find the physical and emotional strength to begin to move his rubble, remove the rubble from around him. After much time, effort, and pain, Tokken freed himself from the entrapment and realized the full scale of his injuries. Half of his face had been severed and he was blind in his right eye. Half of his face has been severed? <laughs> Is it not there? Ah! <laughs> his right ear had been cl- ripped clean off and his face had been heavily lacerated. I haven't decided whether it's been severed or lacerated. Is there a difference? I don't, I don't know if there's a difference. All of this in addition to his paralysed and amputated, uh, half amputated arm. Okay, so he's like, okay, so he's... So he's gonna that... have to cut off more. <laughs> yeah. So it's both. Yes, it's both the bookcase and the lightsaber. <laughs> the stairs down to Tokrin's lab had been cut off, so his only possessions were what he had on his person. Not the only thing that's been cut off, mate. <laughs> this consisted of his robes, lightsaber, and basic utility belt, including his Jedi comlink and a basic technical equipment. Emotionally destroyed and ridden with guilt and shame. Tokrin fled to the ship repair hangar and jumped on a half-functioning ship. In his distress and shame, he escaped the Jedi Temple and Coruscant, ex- exhaling, exiling that should be exiling himself from the Order and its teachings. Exhaling himself. <laughs> I'm fucking out of here. I'm gone. <laughs> 
Chapter 10, Exile on Rylor. Do you want to tell them about the ship that you stole? Ah, so the ship I stole, which I think was your idea, yeah. was the Twilight from Clone Wars, which is the ship in the very early season of Clone Wars that uh, Anakin and Ahsoka... Do you want to explain why it's a really dumb fucking idea? Oh, because it's, it gets... It gets just... blown up in Clone Wars. That's why it's only in the early seasons, because <laughs> it gets fucking blown up. Because <laughs> I, was, I was watching Clone Wars again. Like, it was like... So this is like one of the fourth, fourth time or something I watched Clone Wars recently. But I watched a few years ago. I was watching it. And I messaged Connor during this episode. Went, I think I sent you a video of it. It was like we might have a small continuity <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, the thing is, my backstory is relatively watertight. You're the only person that's fucked. I, I sort of fuck with it. <laughs> I insert these little plot holes. Right, Exile on Ryloth, chapter ten. Tarkin flew as far away from the Jedi uh, Temple as he could. But his mal- malfunctioning ship could only lead him <laughs> as far as a crash land on the dark side of Ryloth. Ah, so this is the place that this new Sith temple is. We'd also like to no- note that we have no idea where Coruscant and Ryloth are in relation to each other. So we have no idea if that's like a really far distance he made or not. <laughs> where he was going when yeah. he could only make it to Ryloth. We have yeah. no idea. <laughs> so he crashed land on Ryloth. After all, it wasn't easy to fly a broken two-man ship with one arm and one eye. This is another thing we should point out, is that, yeah, Tokrin did only have one eye when he was blinded before <laughs> Weapon 26. <laughs> this is true. So the guy's he's had, lost his vision twice. He's lost three eyes. <laughs> no. He's lost, yes. No, he's lost two eyes. Three, no, three eyes. Yeah. Two normal, one robotic, and now he's got a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ryloth is the home world of the Twi'leks. Uh, <laughs> Why did you say it like that? The Twi'lek? <laughs> I don't know why. It is a non-rotary planet, and so has a permanently light half and a permanently dark half. Uh, we the know lights, why. The, <laughs> the light half is civilised and inhabited by many clans, each, of wi- each with their own leaders and cultures. The dark side of Ryloth exists in perpetual dark side, darkness and is inhabited only by vicious beasts of the night. Many of which are force wielding, like night hunters and vornskers. I was gonna say you shouldn't call hookers beasts beasts of the night. <laughs> <laughs> That's not on. <laughs> Tokrin found a cave system near the crash site. Crash site, not crash site. The crash site, and rid it of the beasts living within to or in order to make it its home. <laughs> should be walking into a cave and shooing a bunch of hookers out. <laughs> out of here! It's my cave now! Um, at first, this home was very dangerous as it was unprotect- unprotected from the beast in the surrounding jungles. Right. Due to this, Tokrin became far more accustomed to using his lightsaber in midnight attacks on his cave. Good. Great, so now we're ruining our own fix of our plot hole and he's getting better with his lightsaber even though he's missing an arm. <laughs> on Ryloth, he used his saber far more than he ever used it on his sentinel duties in the Jedi Order. Tokrin's first priority was to treat his injuries. Using scrap metal and parts uh, he could find in the surrounding area, he built himself a fully functional robotic arm and eyepiece. This took months of work and many long sleepless nights in the cave, which uh, he was crafting into a makeshift lab. However... Another priority of Tokrin's was to make his home safe by building large metal doors and creating a shield generator to keep the beasts out. However, he realised this would be hugely challenging as he could not 
as he could not often venture onto the light side uh, of Ryloth due to the hate due to the hatred the locals had for alien species. A near-death uh, encounter with a local tribe while looking for scrap metal led to his decision to never cross to the light side again. This limited his building resources to natural materials and the many crash sites on the dark side of Ryloth. He knew, however, that this would never be enough to build a safe home and to repair his ship, which would have been almost beyond repair in a place with unlimited with unlimited supply of parts. Right, so saying that the, the ship was really fucked and yes. even if he was had access to everything, it would still be hard. Um, within the first couple of years, Tochran had exhausted every crash site within the area... Um, and had gone a mon- on month-long expeditions through the jungles of Ryloth looking for parts lost to the Darklands. <clears throat> also, how does a month work on Ryloth when there's no um, days and nights? Well, months is just your rotation around the planet. How long, mm. how long it takes you to go around the sun? just don't know how you would know it would be a month. How do, we, anyway, know how do we know it's a month? Because the moon changes you get like full moon crescent moon yeah but no our year is based off a full rotation of the sun how do we know what that is uh, someone works it out <laughs> <laughs> exactly someone much smarter than us <laughs> at the end of this time he had finally gathered enough parts and was able to build safe protection to his home and had no more need for worry about midnight night hunter attacks now he had to move on to repairing his ship so he could escape this godforsaken place right Right, chapter 11, meeting Aeola. <gasps> An important character. Important character for future... For season three. Yeah. One day, to his surprise, he came across a young local a young local hunting on the dark side of Ryloth. A ten-year-old local girl named Aeola. Areola? That is a nipple. That's a nipple. <laughs> Areola <laughs> is the name for a nipple. <laughs> Despite his original scepticism about the locals finding out about him living on their planet, he worked out that she could be of great use to him. Her young naivety meant she had no hatred to him like the locals on the light side, and he and was very curious about Tokrin's hermit, hermit-like life on the dark side. Eola was very interested in building hunting weapons and was very proficient with a bow for a being of her age. Tokrin worked out that he could strike a deal with her, that could be highly beneficial to both of them. He offered to teach her how to build better hunting weapons in exchange for parts brought from the light side, where she could, where he could seldom venture. Aeola traded weapons made by Tokrin on the black market for the parts he needed to fix his pulverized ship. This partnership continued for three years, and Tokrin saw Aeola grow into a very intelligent and charismatic girl, and eventually helped her escape helped her to escape Ryloth to explore the galaxy, which was her greatest wish. Tokrin continued his work trying to repair his ship, eventually even starting to venture onto the light side himself to widen so his did, search. So did Ario He helped Ariola. Aeola. It's going to screw me for a while, that is. He helped Aeola earn money to get off-world. Yes. But he couldn't use that money to get off-world because the locals wouldn't let him go on and off. Yeah. Go to their spaceport and stuff because he'd got hassled yeah, and problems. Yeah. Right, I see. I think, I think there was a yeah, yeah. So she she left Ryloth then for for a while. Yeah, apparently forgot that. That's fine. <laughs> Look, 
when we start season three, some of this might be the same, some of this might be different. If you have a problem with that, then we're really sorry. I'm not going to tell you to go fuck yourself. You're our valued fan and we love you. But go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> Tolkien continued his work trying to repair his ship, eventually even starting to venture. Uh, I said this already, didn't I? I've done all this bit. I've done this bit. Chapter 12. Luna. Luna. Erebos. Luna. One day, whilst looking for parts on the light side of Ryloth, Tokrin came across a humanoid troublemaker in the local cantina. What a bitch. <laughs> she seemed to be using mind tricks to convince traders to lend her transport to the core worlds. Having banished the force from his existence, Tokrin feeling its presence again through Luna was strange. However, he knew that she would be putting herself in great danger by openly using her powers, as they now lived in a world which hated Jedi sorcery. Why is she using a force to get transport? She got a ship. <laughs> That's different. She, she was doing fuckery. <laughs> she was using it to outplay people in games and stuff. Right. Okay. Also, I love that Luna is allowed to be on that side of the planet, but you're not. She's adding a good point. Yeah, I mean, I've got a big fucking head, though. That's weird. She, she probably is like as despised as you are but she gives less of a shit yeah and she's probably about and to get hassled and she can convince people nah you don't really hate me she's probably also, she's also <clears throat> probably about to get like hassled badly for yeah. the first time and you save her <laughs> yeah um, if she were to be discovered using such tricks she could be easily handed over to the empire by a local for a healthy fee nice aware of the danger she posed to herself Tokrin took Luna back to his cave to talk to her where he asked her where she got her powers and if she knew how much danger she was putting herself in by using them openly. Luna seemed very interested in how Tokrin knew so much about her powers as she was looking to find out more about them while travelling the galaxy. However, she could not leave uh, Ryloth as her stolen starfight... There we go. <laughs> she Here's could... the fuckery. <laughs> she could not leave Ryloth as her stolen starfighter that she had landed hidden on the dark side of the planet had recently been mass- massacred and stripped of its att- essential components. Tolkien realised that it was him who had stripped her well, starfighter. Well, there you go. We can keep... So she was trying to get transport off. You just stripped her ship. It was just the <laughs> yeah. eclipse. Yeah. Uh, stripped her ship in order to take parts for his own ship which was now nearing completion <laughs> I love it you're such a wanker <laughs> <laughs> feeling much guilt about the situation Tokrin allowed Luna to stay with him until she could repair her ship lying that it was probably scrap metal dealers that had raided her ship over time Luna asked many questions of Tokrin about his past life which he tried to avoid wherever possible Luna was incredibly inquisitive and became a good became a good use to Tokrin in the final stages of preparing his ship for leaving Ryloth. We always we in our first campaign that we played, we had we were using the Twilight Yeah. Fused with bits of other ships and stuff, the repaired Twilight. And Robin was really good at like role playing this thing where she would walk down a corridor on the ship and go, I recognise that panel. <laughs> used to have one of those in my ship like oh, oh, yeah. fuck that's so you've got a dent on your hyperdrive there as well, well that's no so way. funny did you must... drop a spanner as well yeah, this must be a problem with the design mine did exactly that Do you know I you've got bits of your ship that I painted my ship that exact shade of blue <laughs> where did you get that it's I didn't so know funny. they were an international like intergalactic company <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember that. She now. was really good at that. And then we 
<laughs> right. So, yes. Is that the end of it? No. Apparently. We're almost done. Almost done. Luna discovered Tokrin's true identity one night when they finally managed to start Oh my god, ship. you're Batman! What the fuck? <laughs> managed to start the ship and he received a decoded distress uh, message from the Jedi Order network still inbuilt into the ship. Oh, One of Tokrin's old friends was, be- was being held captive by underscore. So we never decided who that no, was? No, it was or? just written in the campaign thing. Oh, it was just written in the campaign. Because we played it, I never wrote it. So. All right, okay. So being held ca- captive by someone. Some bad guy. And needed rescuing. Good stuff. <laughs> At first, Tokrin did his best to ignore the message until Luna found out about it and started to try and bully him into going to help his old friend. So imagine this was just a message that had actually just been going on for months. (laughs) And eventually managed to get... five unread messages. (laughs) Um, uh, Yep, Uh, Tokrin worked out that... Sorry, Luna worked out that Tokrin was an ex-Jedi and tried to make him face back up to the faith that he had put behind him. Eventually, still feeling bad for destroying her ship and still feeling immense guilt for the fall of the Order, Tokrin reluctantly agreed to take Luna to try and save his old friend, hoping doing so would clear his head of some of his guilt, and so the two of them set off. Mm-hmm. And we spoke earlier about how they meet Uma and stuff. I like yeah. that. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that sort of Luna bullies Tokrin to live in live up to the ideals that she saw in her uncle. Yeah. I like that. I like that. There you <sighs> it's, go. Good, it's a good bat story. It's really what was, good. What was longer? You talking about... Everything. Everything, or me talking about that... <laughs> I can probably tell from just like having a. Who knows? Well, what, what time are we at now? Uh, we're, we're. Yeah, over two hours. Two hours and 11 minutes. Equal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's really good. I like that backstory a lot. It's got a lot of details and it's I very Star Wars. Hard. It feels like it's part of Star Wars, which is really, really nice. Mm. I really like it a lot. It's fucking, it just fucking works really well. And the cool thing about it is that we've accidentally seeded lots of little bits of. Yeah. stuff from it into this and we're going to have some of Tokrin's backstory obviously being on Ryloth and stuff that's going to come into the season season 3 yeah. Luna's backstory is going to come into season 3 Uma the plan was to have a lot of his backstory really be unveiled and revealed in season 3 um, unfortunately that we've spoken about that at length now but that's not going to be the case um, but it is going to be um, a sort of story about the characters and how they fit into this sort of grander... So there's going to be this yeah. grand scheme, but within all of it, I'm hoping that the characters get to have their like yeah. moments, which is nice. I so. think Tolkien's definitely been, slowly over the course of Weapon 26 and The Great Games, has been getting more involved with his Jedi past, and has sort of taken on, especially Uma, as like a project almost like he's training him, like he was his Padawan, almost. Oh. And, and so I think coming into the final season of of your story yeah the, the Sith temple and you talking about this other Jedi temple like I feel like he's now going he's now in a position where he's almost able to fully take on um that Jedi past and fully engage in it again I think especially because now Uma's leaving it's almost like you become a Jedi Knight and you gain a Padawan. Once you yeah. train your Padawan yeah. and they become a Jedi Knight, you become a Jedi Master. I feel like so. I feel like that's almost the yeah, place exactly. where Tolkien's going now. I mean, now. we call him Master Rel Dagos, but he's yeah. never been a Jedi Master. Like yeah. he's only ever reached the rank of Jedi Knight. Yeah. Um, and I feel that's like... a fifty. He's like half. I don't know how long Serian's actually lived. But no, I don't like... know. But he, well, he was. 
what he was nearly for, but I mean not all of them will become necessarily yeah. masses he, he never t- you know the war started around the time that he not not long before he became a after he became a knight yeah, and obviously yeah. then not long after that then he spent 10 years on Ryloth and stuff so he's like 50 now but well the, so he was 50 when he met Luna how long was there between meeting Luna and starting well he'd be in his mid yeah he'd be like 54 or something like yeah, that yeah I think he's mid so he's, he's it's interesting because I think the thing like you say is over the campaign he's grown like the first campaign he learnt to be a soldier again yeah in the second campaign he learnt to accept the force properly again yeah. and in the third campaign he's going to learn to accept being a Jedi he's going to become a Jedi properly yeah. again which is cool so it's it's this sort of like um I think all the characters have sort of had their progression. L- Uma's more than the others has been a more sort of gradual progression, just yeah. rather than phases, it just become this gradual progression of the character um, and his understanding. And Luna has been this sort of progression of um, more so just being able to like learn her backstory and like fight, find what yeah. she wants to fight for. Yeah, and that's partly of what this is you know this third campaign is going to give her the easiest thing that she needs to fight for yet because the first one is like okay i want to believe in the rebellion i'm going to fight for the rebellion the second one is like i need to save wayne he's yeah. my dad i need to go find and save him and then the third campaign is going to be like her really being like first time she's come up against the empire as the empire and yeah. like fully on well we know you guys have come up before them against them but this is going to be like the full might evil of the empire yeah. And this is the first time you guys are going to come up and go, this is what the Rebellion is fighting against. Yeah. So it's going to be good. Yeah. Right. There's something funny happened with the waveforms. So we're going to see what that is. And we're going to stop the episode here probably, aren't we? We're going to stop the episode here. It's been interesting because people can actually hear what it sounds like when Connor and I discuss podcasts behind closed doors yeah. and change shit. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, hopefully well, you guys have enjoyed good. it. Hopefully you've enjoyed Star Wars in both the series that have come. Hopefully you're looking forward to the third season. Um, yeah. Thank you very, very much for listening. It's yeah. been an absolute pleasure making this for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we'll see you soon. We'll be back and recording new stuff soon. Soon. And we'll reveal more about that soon of the the specifics of the new campaign that's coming, uh, we'll let you know about it soon. So thank you very, very much for listening. I have been James. Are we doing this now? I have been Connor. And we have discussed Star Wars stuff. Under the covers. (laughs) Didn't work very well. (laughs) I'll do that again. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye.